Okay, this is Hobby Sofa for um, July uh, 2015, episode number who knows. Uh, with me are my two co-hosts. Um, first of all, it's a guy who promised to rewatch Matrix movie just so he gets all the catchphrases about him. <laughs> it's uh, of course uh, our own Mr. Anderson. I like that. I like uh, that. How are you doing, Neil? I mean, Bill. I, I was I supposed to go. Wait, I think I'm supposed to go with. How about you take your job and shove it up your? And I, no, wait, I don't remember that one. Damn it! I know it ended up with me flipping uh, somebody off. Speaking of which, <laughs> I. L- when after you promised that in one of our previous episodes, I later realized most of the catchphrases which I did came from third film, and I can't <laughs> force you to do to sit for this. But <laughs> right, let's not forget our other co-host. Is there a doctor in the house? Boom! And Thank I- God. It's of course it's uh, Doctor Loxley Richie P. How are you doing today? I'm good, mate. I'm good. <laughs> I really think it should be legally changed to Richie Boom Boom. <laughs> uh, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about a convention which uh, went two months ago. <laughs> don't, don't disconnect. We'll, we'll just we'll mention we, salute, but <laughs> we might be late, but you know, better late than never. Seems and, topical. Yeah, you know, it, it may take us. A while. I'm trying to. I'm trying to avoid making a, a rude joke here, but it may take us a while to do what we need to do. But when we do, the people take notice, mm. or something. I, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he wants his hundredth episode. Are you, Richie? <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long day. It's been a very... Somewhere in there, there was a sex joke. Yeah, I just don't really want to say it. <laughs> Moving okay. on. Right. Um, so, on the agenda, we will be talking a bit about Salute itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, what we did on it, what interested us, and uh, what came out of it. We're talking Infinity, Guild Ball, lots of other things. And uh, in the second half, hopefully, we'll talk about Richie's game. For a little bit. Little For a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So okay. You have to rein me back with that. I can I can talk for hours about that, as I already have, and I should probably make a little plug here for those who are not interested. Uh, I um, recently was on Flock and Awe podcast talking about the game. Um, I'll, I'll make another mention again, but literally for about two and a half hours, I talked about this. So. <laughs> It was a good interview. I actually just listened to that on my recent road trip. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I had like no, pre- I had no preparation whatsoever. It was kind of last minute thing, and so as a result, it was just as things into my brain. And as you guys know, that's a very dangerous place to be. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> right. So, shall we start from salute itself? Sounds good to me. Of course. No. Now, Bill, you've never, of course, you haven't been to salute, have you? I have not been to Salute, and it sounds... It, the lead-up to Salute always sounds a little like Gen Con. And then the um, 
God, I guess if it's a lead up, is it a letdown or is it the, 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 the after action from salute? It just sounds very confusing. So, um, I, I mean, so you guys, let me ask you this. Do, do the Brit, and I, and I know, I think we talked about salute last year too. Do the British game companies, outside of, we know Guild Ball did this year, but do the other British game companies, places like Mantic, <clears throat> I'm sure what? GW doesn't. Sorry, I lost um, you. Oh. Do the British game companies like Mantic and, and companies like that, GCT, do they do big announcements at Salute like the American companies and most game companies do at Gen Con? Well, Protos did. Okay. Uh, did they? Yeah. They didn't oh, Protos did, they? did the uh, the Halo thing, right? Isn't that Protos? Yeah. Oh, no, that's... Um, that's Spartan, that's Spartan. Spartan, yeah. Protoss I remember, that, I remember had... um, Protoss were talking about doing that whole StarCraft announcement thing, but I went to their stall and didn't see anything there, so I've no idea. Uh, no, I don't think they're doing anything for StarCraft. This was just like an example of something they did. Uh, I don't think they're doing StarCraft. And I, just, I just remember there was something just beforehand saying, big announcement, new game. And, you know, what, Alien vs. Predator, you no, mean? No, 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 it wasn't that. It was something else. It was, big. It was this year... And there was this, they all over the internet. They were putting out these pictures of something, and it, it looked very Starcrafty. And then I went to the stall, and there was nothing. And I was like, oh. Oh well, I went on a forum, and that's saying, oh, we we're not. It's not a game or anything. Which is oh really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so I was, I was looking, going, where's this new game? Oh, I can't see anything. Oh well, on the left. <laughs> no, no, no. The Starcraft bug thingy. It's. Um, it was just like an example of something which was on the internet. It's uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, but yeah, what, what, I mean, what, what big announcements were there this year? Were there any? Well, uh, there were big releases. Well, lots of new Imperial stuff for uh, Warzone. Mm-hmm. Was there anything exclusive? Anything that you that was you know maybe an early release? Uh. Well, early release was basically the new, uh, uh, new Imperial stuff. Okay. I, I got like a unit of them. I actually sent you a picture of it. It's like, um, futuristic commando troopers type thing. Mm, I think I remember you saying. Yeah. Um, I know, of course, Skillball did their exclusive model, but. I'm not sure if that was exclusive to Salute or if it's exclusive to conventions. It's exclusive to conventions. To I conventions, mean, yeah. You could buy it uh, in the online store. and Yeah. Um, I know, I mean, what other companies either have presence? You've got Mantic, and they just did the whole, we're Mantic, come buy our shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what they always well, do. Well, they had some painted examples of... Uh, uh, what's that game called? The Dungeon Crawler. Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but even then, painted examples is not really a. It's, that's not a convention exclusive, is it? It's just turn uh. up and have a look. Well, at least they turned up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but again, they're, they're a British company, so the only other, well, the, the only uh, other comparison to that would be GW. You know, earlier we talked about how Salute evolved, kind of over the years, and. Um, I remember when I first came there in 2012. Yeah. There were other companies there. There were a lot. There were cool mini and odd people there. There were Corvus Belli were there. Uh, 
Well, several other American, European, European companies were there. Yeah. But I don't now, remember that. Was Cool Mini not there this year? No. No. Okay. There was pretty much. I don't think they haven't been there for a couple of years or so. I can't remember there being any international. There may have been some European, but nothing across the pond for sure. Now, why do you think that is? Do you think it's just it? Does it not have the um, does it not have the press? So releasing things there doesn't make sense. Does it not have the attendance to make it worthwhile to ship stuff across? And I don't know. Maybe it's too far to go or something. I don't know. See, I don't know because likewise, you know, I mean, when it comes to Gen Con, and I know you can't compare the two, but then at the same time, I don't know. Maybe you can in a way. Um, but when it comes to Gen Con, you know, people like. Corvus Belli, for example, they will make the trek from Spain to America. Likewise, it's a lot easier for them to go from Spain to the UK. Right. So, if anything, you know... Well, I think the United States <laughs> is a bigger market. But, but is it? I think so. I mean, I, uh, so, I'll say this. Um, talking to a couple of companies who... Uh, Boy, how do I say this without diving out? You know what? It doesn't matter. Talking to the Guild Ball guys mm. offline, I know one of the concerns they've had about the U.S. market uh, because you know they've been they've been catching some some fair har- I think very fair harassment lately about not having um, not having distribution in the U.S. Yeah, right. The game is Guild Ball's hot right now. Uh, it's definitely hot in the U.K. There's a U.S. people that want to play, but they have no distribution here, so there's a there's a concern about that. And I know one of their concerns was to open up U.S. distribution. They were saying that you know typical U.K. European distribution is some distributors who might call and say we need a thousand of a skew, right? We need a thousand of whatever box, um, and that's huge. You know, seven fifty to a thousand. You have stores that are ordering, you know, fifty to a hundred of a certain certain set of models. They said in the U.S., one of the things they're very afraid of now, not that they've seen it yet, but that a U.S. distributor who's distributing to the whole U.S. is going to call and say, "I need five thousand of this box mm-hmm. or twenty five hundred, just because the the market is that much bigger." Uh, okay. Hmm. Um, even 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 if it's just bigger geographically, yeah. right? It's um, I mean, the only because the you're covering I'm asking so is because, I mean, you know, from my limited experience, and it, my experience is limited. I have to be. I have to be. This is a massive caveat. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the largest community online I've ever belonged to was the Malifaux community, and the number of people I was in contact with, and bear in mind due to the internet and prevalence of things like Facebook, Twitter, forums, it's so easy to communicate with people everywhere in the world and I would actually say it was actually for, at the time I found it was quite balanced the number of people in the UK versus the number of people in the US whether, whether or not that's down to thousands of reasons, maybe I gravitated more towards UK people by being a Brit myself or maybe perhaps Malifaux was more prevalent in the Things like Twitter, which is what I definitely focus more on in the UK. So I, I can't, that, it's because of that that, I'm one, that that's the reason why I asked. You know, is it the case? And I do wonder how much that has to do with it. You know, I I do notice that the it could be because I started onto Twitter really following, um, you know, looking at the Malifaux community, mm. or it could be just in general. But I notice when I talk to I, again. I, I suck at social media, but the people I follow tend to be um, 
almost equally balanced, if not more heavier to, uh, to Brits. And the people I talk to who are very involved with Twitter talk about the fact that there's forums, which is where they go to get a lot of U.S. people. There's a, f- a fair amount of U.S. player gamers on Twitter, but in Facebook to a lesser extent for some games, but the vast majority are Europeans and, uh, you know, Europeans, Australians and, and Brits. Actually, now I think uh, about it. So it's sorry. It's just one little thing. I know whenever I hear other people talking, so often they talk about their community being shop based, and when they go to the shop and they're getting their games in, and you very rarely actually hear of the people who they're going to their shops and having their games with online. It seems to be that there is there a large in the U.S. Is there a large? I hate to use the expression, but offline community. Yes. So there, so that's the, so in, that, in that instance, that's a large part of the community that I myself, my own personal experiences, aren't being wouldn't have exposure to. to. Yes, right. so that makes sense. Well, uh, it, not just that, but a lot of times you'll have an alpha gamer. Uh, and the sorry, alpha. Yeah. <laughs> well, Richard, you were the alpha gamer in leisure games. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you have that alpha gamer who they're going to be the ones online getting the information, taking it back mm-hmm. to the shop, and for every one of them, you have potentially, you know, three to twelve other people yeah. who just sort of, uh, how do you say it, they rock up to the shop and uh, and go to town, you know, I mean, they, they kind of come in come in and just play with what they're told. Mm. Well, unfortunately, leisure games are not going to pick up Guild Ball just yet anyway. Really? That's unusual. It, well, well, I was very keen, obviously, but uh, the thing is, um, What's the company name? Uh, Steamforged. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, they have this. Well, they send their stuff for free, which is good. They don't charge you for postage. Mm-hmm. But um, what they do, you have to the minimum number of stuff you can buy is, it has to be like uh, hundred and fifty something pounds oh, wow. of wholesale. Okay. That's you have to. It has to be big orders, which is okay if you order an initial thing. But for leisure games, who do, doesn't do that sells that much miniatures anyway. Mm. They uh, it's kind of difficult to restock the stuff. That's interesting for the London community, considering. I mean, for th- those listening, um, Bill included, probably, but aren't familiar. Leisure games. I mean, um, there's in London. There's pretty much only two hobby stores. Would you agree with that, Andre? You've got Dark Sphere and Leisure Games, and that's pretty much it. Well, there's Orcs Nest, but they don't. Nest, yeah. They stopped doing miniatures now. Yeah, they're, they're more of an RPG thing, aren't they? They used to do. They used to do miniatures, but not anymore. That's it. It's mm. RPGs and yeah, mainly RPGs. Yeah. Really. So that's so that's basically almost the entire of London there. You know, there's these. Yeah. I don't know what um, Darksphere. I think they're doing Guild Ball because I, I know they're running events there. Darksphere is doing Guild Ball, right? Um, and but of course they've got space. Now, well, now I got to admit, I I thought if you you know didn't play a game where you could use your models uh, as as uh, you know a Games Workshop style game, um, you got expelled from London. What do you mean? <laughs> Well, I, I thought Games Workshop had such a hold that, you know, you basically got evicted. You're no longer a Londoner. Not really. And, uh, well, <laughs> not really. You move out of the city. Well, and, you know, uh, I mean, that's actually... I, mean, I, know, you, I know what you're saying, Andre, and I'm disagreeing, but that's part of the reason why we have the problem we have. 
why there are only, you know, two miniature stores that aren't Games Workshop. Right. Because Games Workshop <laughs> came along and went, Whoa, I'm going to push you all out of the way. <laughs> Look at my fat ass. Boom, you're gone. Yes, but the thing is, Games Workshop is, um, is, has been there for a fairly long time. That kind of started this whole thing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. You you could argue they are the the kind of progenitors of... uh, I don't want to say miniature wargaming, but really they brought it to the fore, right? They grew it the the most. You know, there used to be a lot of games workshops around me. I mean, there used to be one which is very close, like a 10-minute bus ride Mm. in Brent Cross Shopping Center. Yeah. There used to be one in Harrow. Yeah. There used to be one in Ealing. Not anymore, though. Mm. They're all gone. Well, that's the thing. They, they, they. Back it was. It would be the nineties. They t- basically pushed out all of the independent retailers. Ah, okay. And they swarmed everywhere and went, "Wow, look at this!" And like a plague of locusts, they kind of just ate and ate and ate and ate and ate and ate until eventually there was nothing left, and then had to retreat again. Hmm. And hmm. that's and that's the thing. They, I mean, you can see it with the. Um, I mean, they 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 don't they claim to be doing the opposite. They claim to be going from strength to strength to strength, but you know, for, you, but just looking at business models, things like you know, changing sto- stores from you know painting tables well, being gone, a lot of the know, stores de- demos tables being gone, um, stores now you know rather than I, mean, I remember back in the nineties, you would have you know a manager, an assistant manager, and three people working the stores. Mm-hmm. One of them monitoring a painting table, one put doing doing forty k, one person doing fantasy. Yeah, now we've got, got one space, person one, stores. Exactly, one, one per- person managing. The Entire store. Yeah. A company that is doing extremely well does not close stores, and and the ones that they keep open reduce their staff to one person. Oh, speaking they of are which, on retreat. You know, uh, uh, Bill, you were talking on Guild Ball tonight with Matt from Steamforge Games. Mm-hmm. He he used to work in Games Workshop Plaza, shopping centre in Oxford Street, Central London. Oh, really? And well, that's what he told you. I'm, I'm, I'm just repeating. Yeah, I didn't know it. which one he uh, worked in. Did well, he yeah, it, when it was a long time ago, oh. <laughs> and uh, he says it was like at that time, like most like central uh, games workshop, uh, you know, uh, and probably still is. Well, I'm afraid he was wrong <laughs> because a pl- uh, games workshop plaza has closed down. Oh wow! Very early this year, it's no longer there. It's been replaced with another one, Tom Court Road, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it's not well, Games Workshop no, anymore. Now it's just it's Warhammer. Warhammer Store. Warhammer Store. <laughs> it's not and even the, Warhammer Store, though, is it? The actual brand just has the word Warhammer. Well, the thing is, it's uh, they got rid of this uh, famous typeface, yellow and red le- Well, yellow yeah, letters. Now with, it looks like Times New Roman. Uh, well, it's white on black and looks like Waterstones, which for <laughs> non-UK people, it's our big book retailer. It's ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, enough GW bashing. We can do that so those cows come home. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, I think, so um, what, was, what was the point we were saying? What were we, what were we getting at? Well, it's just, you know, uh, a lot of these games workshop around me have closed down. Mm. I still have one in Watford, but that's like an hour and a half bus ride. That's quite far. <laughs> well, mm. Bill is probably laughing. By American standard, it's not that much. That's right. so, now, look. I drive everywhere. I wouldn't want to take an hour and a half bus ride. Well. Was that not the right answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
so yeah, so I think right. So we were talking about we were talking about salute, yes, and about exclusives yeah. and stuff. And and how big is the market when when yes, you know is what, that that's, why that's people what aren't yes, showing up? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the numbers are it's packed. You can't well, it's gro- smelling sweaty armpits. It's growing every year. Yeah. But what is packed? Do you guys know what the like? What was the attendance at Salute this year? I know um, last year's was definitely available, um, or was it? Let me have a look. I remember in 2013 it was uh, 4,000, but it's been growing. I know by GenCon start it's it's tiny, but yeah, but I mean by Adepticon or, or TempleCon stats that's not that's that's kind of impressive i mean and 4 thousand I, I want to say that's that's con, at least tw- twice what adepticon does gen con what? isn't exclusively for tabletop games is this no no gen con is uh so okay so that that's something else to learn i didn't realize or i've i forgot that about salute um gen con is all games so so role playing i mean very heavily role playing you got to figure gen con actually started as a role-playing game, TSR, D&D um, convention. Well, we have role-playing in uh, Salute as well, not as much, though. Instead of... Non-existent, you know, now, what about board games at Salute? Little bit as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of... if you've that, that is kind of... If you've got a retailer who is a normal shop and sells board games, they will bring some along. But that's uh-huh. really about it. Okay. Well, in London we have a big RPG convention called Dragon Meat. Okay. So yeah. And uh, for board games, the main thing will be Essen, won't it? Well, Essen is in Germany, so. Yes, but that seems to be where everyone goes for board games. Well, we also have a really big show in. Uh, is it Bristol? Um, G- yeah, UK Game Expo. Oh, the Birmingham, the Birmingham. Oh, Eastern. Birmingham. Sorry, yeah, Birmingham. Sorry. Yeah. So I guess so, yeah. So, so I'm out of the people it's... who go to Gen Con, what percentage are we looking at for the equivalent market? You know, um, would it be you know, eighty percent, seventy, forty? You know, I'm not even sure how to measure that. So I, I mean, I, I think you have to experience Gen Con mm. to to just really start to even to even start to grasp it. Um, the the game hall, not the vendor hall. But the game hall, when you think about that, they were they were able to seat easily. Uh, if it was one single tournament, they were in the same hall. They were able to seat probably seven hundred and fifty Magic the Gathering players plus um, every major. Uh, you know, sixteen to sixteen to to yeah, twenty to tables of every miniature game. You know of so, you know all the major miniature games plus probably another, let's say five hundred board gamers at tables. Like that was the minute that is the gaming hall that uh, the- that does regular events. So when you start to look at some of those numbers, it it gets insane when you say what's the equitable market because nobody goes for just or very few people go for just one type of gaming. Well, in you well in. At Salute, there isn't much... Uh, there's, there's no tournaments or anything at all like that. There's no. some people doing demos, but that's about it. And also, hmm. it's only a one-day event. 
Yeah, it's a one-day event only. And that again is going to change how you know the how the attendance requirements and this that and the other. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost really, despite it being our version of Gen Con, I'm not sure if you can compare. It's them. not comparable, right? And that's not because one is just so much bigger; it's just because they are just too different. Now, what did you? I I, I realize what alerted this question this is, which is why I love asking it. Um, what did you guys think of Salute this year? Andre, do you want to go? Uh, well, I, Richie will probably agree with me, but it's becoming less and less impressive, even though the number of people attending increases every I year. I agree. I think this year was better than last year. No. <laughs> why do you say that? Richie, I should say that why do I think it is? Um... Last year, I found last year to be extremely, extremely unimpressive because last year was there was no there, there was no big shiny, really. Oh, okay. Last year, I mean, um, there was the whole Warzone thing over at Prodos, but that didn't seem to pull that much of a gathering. Instead, people seemed to be looking at the AVP stuff, but mm. none of that was for sale. So that was just come have a look at the stuff, but you can't buy any of it. Um, other than that, everything else was just have a look at the stuff that we sold here last year, and the year, and that, and that the last year was the big new shiny. Whereas this year, you did have things like Guild Ball and um, I think Twisted Miniatures were there. And, and no, no, no. What? Where did you see Twisted Miniatures? I haven't seen Twisted Miniatures. They're Australian, anyway. I can't remember. There was there was a few companies. I would I do. There what? There was Richie. Least... There was no twisted miniatures. They're Australian. There was like th- at least three model companies. I remember going, ah, they're really hot right now. Okay. And that's the thing, you know, whereas you didn't have that. Like, Richie, last year. I can't hear you, Richie. <laughs> You're disappearing. Well, now I can hear you, but um... okay. And um, yeah, I think it was like the year before there wasn't that at all. Mm. So for me, I would say objectively this year was better than last year well uh, last year my dad came along with me and he was saying that guy who was here with you he he looked so bored I was (laughs) insanely bored last year (laughs) Uh, I I had to really really work out this year whether I wanted to go or not I had to really just try and make a decision because last year I left it being miserable frankly last year because I mean it's not a massive expense. I mean, you're looking at about £10 entrance fee. Um, so that's probably, what, about $15, $18? Yep. And the the trek to and from, for me, isn't particularly bad, considering what other people do to go thing, to things like, you know, Gen Con. I mean, for me, it's probably about two hours each way. No, it's just not exactly a killer. Um, most of it's sat down, so it's not a big deal. And, you know, but it was just the fact that going there, you know, I love seeing you, Andre, don't get me wrong, that's, that, is, that was the highlight. I didn't, I didn't see you last I time. I know, I know. Ah. Was, I didn't last, but it doesn't mean the year before, so that was, the, that, that was the one saving grace of the whole thing. Well, so let me I, ask I you this. I see you and have a good time with you. But beyond that, I was left going, I've just wasted essentially uh, all this there time. There is something wrong with the mobile connection at Salute. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> I can never really properly ring you or anything. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because this, this confuses me. If there's not tournaments there, mm-hmm. and there's not 
um, big announcements, right? Big release announcements. And it's mostly driven by stores. What's the motivation to go to Salute versus just buy at a discount online or buy from your local store? Well, two things, really. First of all, you actually get to chat with all these companies. That's that's one of the reasons you get to see them. <laughs> okay. And the other thing is uh, it's something which is Salute is actually known for is participation games. So they do have gaming, they just don't have tournaments. Yeah. yeah, well, gaming is very independent thing. It's most of it is historical, yeah. and and the people, it's all, it's actually they're like clubs, really. Clubs get installed there, and they make their own big participation games, which they're known for doing like really big, elaborate tables, that, very well, that's beautiful all, that, that's tables. That's all PR, isn't it? Because it's. Because of course, for some strange reason, just I mean, you know, we were just, we were just saying offline about the relevant, you know, the, how technology is and Twitter and all this sort of stuff. Despite that, it seems clubs seem to be very difficult at attracting new members. People just you can have a club down the road from you, ten minutes walk, and people just don't know it's there. So one of this is that I, I, mean, I used to um, I, there was um, I used to go to the uh, uh, the what is it the Titans, the North London Titan. Um, club, and um, one of their problems was that people just didn't know it existed. So they mm. wanted to book a table, have a participation game, mainly to say to people, "Hey, we exist. If you live nearby, come over." So interesting. You know, that almost sounds to me like what um, I mean. It was purely GW focused, but that almost sounds to me what the games days were here. Right, places for clubs to get a table, mm. set up, advertise. Bring some big elaborate terrain setup out and show off, you know, it, it, again, for, for games day, of course, it was to show off their GW games they're playing, right? 40k or fantasy, yeah. but, um, but very, that's, that is almost what it sounds like to me. Well, at Salute, like I said, most of it is historical, but yeah. there's lots of just plain weird stuff. Like you have like, uh, Retro sci-fi Marsian type colonization thing with flying ships and stuff. Things they make themselves. Although at this year it wasn't as impressive as in the last few years, I got to admit. Because the last time there were much more impressive tables and things. Hmm. Hmm. Now, is it is it worth the the ten pounds to go down just to see the clubs? Well, I don't go there to see the clubs. <laughs> I think that oh, by itself, no. Um, <laughs> but I think there's another factor as well. Personally, one of the main reasons, one of the main reasons I went this year, and I was actually, I think I was glad I did, and I would probably, for the exact same reason, do it again, was to be able to see something you've seen online in the flesh. Okay. Because you know, I've been looking at an awful lot of sci-fi terrain recently. And there's a hell of a lot, lot out there, and a lot of it. You look at it and you go, "Well, I can, I can see they've got the model in there for perspective and this that, and the other," but <clears> it's all done. But you know, I mean, you know, there's certain bits that I already own, and when you see it under normal light, without the special lighting and without the, you know, photoshopping and this that, and the other, it looks very different to how it actually looks in person. And right. Actually, you know, does that you know, and and likewise, you know, if it's if it's something that doesn't come pre-painted, what does the unpainted version look like? Because then you can go, well, I know what my own style of painting is like, 
So therefore, I know what I'm, what it'll look like when I get loose on it, rather than when a person who is an amazing, you know, wins Golden Demon Award painter is uh, loose on it. Speaking of which, there is a painting competition at Salute as well. Yes. Well. So for me, it was very much a case of I wanted to go there to have a look at all this different terrain and go, do I actually want to pay for any of it, or do I want to only pay for you know one of it or none of it? Because when you're on a bit of a budget like I am. That's quite important, right? No, I, and I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. And, I, and for me, that ten pounds was worth it because I got to look look around and actually see some things that um, originally on the internet looked amazing. You get it in person, you go, actually, that looks a bit crap. And if I put uh. that on my table, that'll look cheap. I don't want that, so I save myself money in that respect. And in other cases as well, you got to see some others who were competition to those companies, who you know a little bit lo- you know a little bit lower, le- less known brand, and you see their stuff and you go, actually, that's really good. And I, if I hadn't come here, I wouldn't have seen it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Bill, your big painting competition is uh, on in Adepticon, of course, the Crystal Brush. Yes. Well, yeah, actually, that's probably the biggest that's left out there. Because, I mean, what they do in terms of prices, and I'm not talking for, like, top few people, but, I mean, first and second place in the actual categories, what do they actually give you? <laughs> so, so the Crystal Brush is a bit of an anomaly. Um, the top, top prize, the single the single big prize is $10,000. Oh, that's just a lot. So you're, <laughs> yeah, so, so you're competing, you know, the people that go in, you end up competing with... Um, you end up competing with all the big guys, right? So, mm. you know, list any any painter that you know who's put out a video or is famous for their painting, and that's who you're competing with. So, who is it? Is it Jessica Rich, who's who's a big one? Um, I, I always look at Dave Taylor stuff, but I'm not sure Dave Taylor is one. Um, uh, um, but Mears. what about first and second place in the actual category? So not like each the of the categories. Um, as I don't know if there's actually money associated with those. There may be, but I do know you actually get a trophy out of those. Mm. So I have a couple of friends. Um, actually, uh, Andre, you still pretty closely follow some of the um, some of the Malifo stuff. Have you seen Matt by Mar- Matt's by Mars? Um, no. no. Okay, so uh, Mars is actually um, Mario, and uh, Mario's a guy off the West Coast. He's actually gotten a silver crystal brush. Um, I forget which category it was. It might have been a steampunk category. And then, uh, James Convey. Um, oh, Mario from, um, oh, uh, get, what's that group called? Um, I think I know who you're talking about. G- um, yeah, is it GCN or? Well, they're doing a podcast called, uh, something Malifaux. A oh, weird the, place. the weird place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The same, same Mario. Same Actually, Mario. Uh, that uh, that Mario. Remember, he did the uh, Jan uh, Low in uh, burnt offerings competition. Yeah, he got third place. Okay. Yeah, I got second. <laughs> ah. See, so I mean, in, uh, so he was a. Um, he actually did. The, he had a green steampunk uh, woman model. That I think he got the second he got second place with, uh, Convy, who Thirteenth Hour Miniatures, who I used to commission some of my stuff, uh, and is one of the locals here. He actually got a bronze crystal brush one year. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was for 
uh, he had a woman who was sort of standing on a rock in the middle of an uh, ocean. Um, that was all over well, Pullman or not. I want to talk a little bit about prices at Salute. Because in 2011, and I kind of missed the train, uh, the winners of the actual categories, they were getting £50 voucher, for which worked for most stores, most retailers in there, not all of them. Uh, and definitely in Wayland Games, which they kind of sponsor the thing. And, uh, and second place in the categories was £25 worth of voucher, basically, for minutes. Yeah, those are some nice prizes, actually. Yeah, well, £50, that's about uh, 80-something dollars. Yeah, yeah. that's a... Uh, mm-hmm. That was in 2011, though. In 2012, when I won uh, runner-up second place in the fantasy unit category, what we got was like a little bag, uh, well, carrier bag, tiny one, made by a company called Filled Her. <laughs> it was worth about 20 pounds. Hmm. And yeah, I didn't actually, I can't put any of my miniatures in it because of my bases and stuff, and you know, it was mainly for like uh, Games Workshop units. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I actually gave it to a friend, and he forced me to take a fiver for it. But <laughs> well, that and I know this wasn't on the topic list, but let me ask you: when it comes to painting categories, is it more important for you to get trophies and certificates or to get prizes? Well, mainly with salute, it's mostly about uh, glory, really, because uh, I mean, for prizes. Mm, and yeah, in uh, 2013, when I got a fir- first place in the fantasy unit category, I won that category. Um, I got a unit. Wait for it of Napoleonic troops. <laughs> what? But you did say it's a historic, um, right? His- uh, historical gaming. No, no, based no, no, no. Con, so. it, no, the, it's everything there. I oh, mean, okay. most of the clubs are historical, and the. The actual historical though as well. Yeah, categories. The category I won in was fantasy. I'm I'm, I'm with you. Let's be fair. Napoleonics that don't run away. That's fantasy, right? No. (laughs) Oh wait, was that a bad joke? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I flogged it on eBay for about fifteen pounds, (laughs) but. um... It sounds like you got a fifteen-pound prize. That's not bad. Well, it it kind of for first place, but it 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 compensated for the ticket. (laughs) Right, you you probably could have signed it and sold it for more. You could have sold it as a trophy. Uh, Oh, I like that. Hmm. Yeah, just spray paint them all gold and make it the uh, you know. Well, no. On the box, go there. We go. That's it. I got some little trophy from the winner of the. So and so event on this year. Well, no, I get obviously the gl- little glass trophies as well. They're just like a m- lump of glass, though. But <laughs> it says a winner of fortieth uh, anniversary. Is it fortieth anniversary of salute? No, not forty. Hold on, I, I better have a look. Uh, uh, first place. It's uh, which anniversary? 20th anniversary, sorry, I'm, I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20th anniversary salute. Mm. Yeah, but uh, I kind of, last two salutes I didn't actually enter. <laughs> <coughs> I 
I need well, they do say, that. you know, the best way to lose is not to enter. <laughs> well, in 2013, because I entered like this, I normally go for unit category. And, you know, paint every single miniature the way I would, uh, that, like... That was it, your Bushido... Yeah, Bushido, Cult of Ure. On, we featured it on this podcast before. That's the one of the... Do you remember Bill with the town and all the yeah. people? Yep. And, yeah, Yeah, you know there's got this little back, backdrop kind mm. of thing behind it. Well, I saw one of the guys who was sort of, you know, placing the things on the table and stuff. He actually picked it up with one hand with his thumb over the backdrop and I actually previously told him don't be lifted by the backdrop <laughs> and I don't know he had this really long fingers I, I can't actually get my thumb around you know just hold it with one hand and uh, get the thumb around the backdrop and that watching it made my heart stop <laughs> you know <laughs> because it's quite a heavy thing you know all these metal big lump things mm. miniatures on there and you know it was just I stuck with PVA and all and <laughs> Offense, uh, I'm the exact same over simply one model. You know, a person picks up one of my models, like, oh, it's gonna break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you know, this whole thing, they could have just, it could have came off, and the whole thing would drop on the floor, and you know, the price probably wouldn't be worth it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So that's where we are with Sluice. Okay. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, as I, I always joke about it. Basically, for me, being a bit of a um, <laughs> an engorged car boot sale. Well, I don't think Bill understands what car boot sale is. Oh, no, 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 I do. I've brushed up on my British. Ah. <laughs> uh, I know you've got garage sales in the US, but... <laughs> it's, oh, God. Yeah, so you've got a love language back. I mean, if we would all just speak English, it wouldn't be a problem, but, yes, you know, would, I, I understand. <laughs> you know... Bill, you call football soccer. Uh, no, I called it guild ball, as a matter of fact. <laughs> In all fairness, though, I realised the other day something, and I have to hold my hands up. I realised that actually I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, and I'm possibly going to lose my British card um, for, for saying this. Don't admit it, don't admit it, don't admit it. I, I actually think you guys are right in referring to trousers as pants. <sighs> Oh, I can't wait to hear this. This is going to be. This has got to be as good as learning about Monopoly. <laughs> Pantaloni. It's quite simple because so in the UK we call we call them trousers. You call them pants. And um, it occurred to me that we call the things you wear underneath them underpants. Oh. Uh, fair enough. If you call them underpants, then, then, then they're, they're under are the under pants. pants. Mm-hmm. So as long as you refer to them, and I, you could argue some people say, ah, they're called underwear. So in that argument it works, but the moment you say uh-huh. underpants, and lots of people say underpants, then you have to acknowledge the things you wear over them are pants. Now if you want to carry this argument, or this discussion, this isn't really an argument, if you want to carry yeah. this, this discussion to the completely absurd, we also use the term trouser snake. Interesting. <laughs> and when it comes to miniature games, we like to use word kit. <laughs> Uh, Bill, you know what kit is? Kit? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure how to answer this, Andre. Is it the car with the light in the front? No. <laughs> okay. Wait, let me try again. <laughs> I'm not even sure the reference you're meaning. You know, kit. Kit. 
Kit, that's that's British. Come on, Richie. What, what's wrong with you? Yeah, as in like Kit model. Well, Kit is not just about models. No, so it's not like a model I'm, kit. I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> well, we have well, we say more like plastic kit. Yeah, and it's basically you know like a set of plastic miniatures which you have to put together something you use, and uh, but it's also a military term. Like uh, there's actually been uh, some misunderstanding between British and American troops, like cooperating in Iraq or something, because the uh, British instructors told them like pick up your kit, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Americans didn't know what it was. <laughs> See, that's well, odd because when I was in the military, I I remember hearing that phrase. Well, it means equipment, and yeah, that's that's what I say. I mean, we I I, I heard that phrase used. Hmm. Mm. And you know, here in UK, at least, we constantly say "use like that's a great kit." You know, talking about games workshops. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought that was. Well, there's the difference, because most people in the US are trying to move away from talking. I mean, I don't know a lot that would use great. No, that's not true. Actually, I know lots of people that would use great kit for GW stuff. But only for GW, you know. No. And speaking of GW, unless you've been living under a rock, surely you noticed Age of Sigma by now. <laughs> okay, so I've been living under a rock. I know they came out with Age of Sigma. I, I haven't been living under a rock, but my name isn't Shirley. Ah. Boom. Sorry. <laughs> Richie Boom. <laughs> so, all I have heard is, you know, other than the sky is falling, which happens, you know, all the time. Well, haven't you seen pictures? <clears throat> I had a friend who showed me one, and all he was pointing out is that whatever these models were that he was showing me, which I couldn't really tell what they were, they looked like they were flying like 40k models, they um, they were all on round bases, which gave me a good chuckle that everybody who, you know, uh, I know several people in the US who were fantasy players and always had the round base versus square base um, <clears throat> discussion, and apparently that's not a discussion anymore. Yep. Are you going to change your hiles on round bases. I haven't built them, so I have no idea. <laughs> I got to warn you, though. <laughs> At one point, I actually... A couple of days ago, I thought, I'm definitely getting this. Because I saw leaked pictures. I like the new Marauders. They're actually called the Blood Reavers now, but yeah. And um, the trouble is, they're like 40 mil. So what's the what's the deal with Age of Sigmar? Um, I've heard that GW is going skirmish, but I have trouble believing that. It's not skirmish. Okay. It doesn't really have any size, does it? Well, it's like... Uh, well, it's more like 40k now. <laughs> For what I've, so what I've heard... Now, I, I, don't know, I don't know if what I've read is... Maybe I'm being trolled, I don't know. But it reads that... You you put down models and you just keep on putting down models until you decide you don't want to anymore. There's no point value. So you want to put down one model, you can put down one model. You want to put down a thousand models as long as there's space on the table, you can. D d uh, and Andre said, on top of that, there's no point values. No. Yeah. So you put down a skeleton. I put down twenty bloodthirsters. <laughs> Right. Now, if that is true, if, like I don't know, it, it is probably there is some sort of caveat somewhere, but it actually kind of, for me, makes perfect sense. Because apparently, you know, GW have said they want to get back into the tournament scene. 
So they would suggest they want to make this game tournament worthy. So in order to compete well in tournaments, you have to make sure that you ha- that if you're going to bring, you know, I, mean, I think they've said the, the game is aimed at having around 100 models. So if you want to have, say, 100 Glockins, you know, the things they released for the end times, that's going to cost I, you a lot of money. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, but okay, I'm with you. That's going to cost a hell of a lot of money, because each one is like 60, 80 pounds or something ahead. You want 100 of them... So GW's going to sit back and go, you can win the tournament, and we're going to win with our wallets. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. Yeah, wow, okay. That's if yeah, it's true. But it smaller, smaller armies, they actually have something called sudden death conditions. I've seen something about that, yeah. Basically, like, normally, if you get tabled, you lost. Yeah. But... Uh, basically smaller armies if you have like much smaller army than your opponent you get several like something called sudden death conditions or something they call something similar it's basically the conditions if you fulfill them in a game you won regardless how much you got left how much you sort of like a mission conditions in Malifaux mm. imagine one side is big one one has a big like army and the other one has small but the small army can fulfill condition and win the game but the big army only has to like you know just fight to win hmm it's odd yeah really odd and, I mean, and the thing that really gets me, and I said, I, almost everything else, I can kind of forgive, because I just don't really care either way. <laughs> the, the one thing that I just really, really cannot forgive mm-hmm. is, and I think I sent this to you guys over email, and I put it over Twitter about their use of bases, and it's not getting rid of the square ones and using round ones. It's not that at all. It's one rule. And I'm going to read this out, because this, uh, this is apparently... This is taken from a screenshot of the actual yep. rules that has been scanned and put online. So let me just find... Oh, I wonder if this is... So a friend of mine sent me something about this, where basically bases no longer matter. Distances in Warhammer Age of Sigma are measured in inches between the closest points of the models or units you're measuring to and from. You can measure distances whenever you wish. So it's got pre-measuring. Great. A model's base is not considered, sorry, isn't considered part of the model. It's just there to help the model stand up. So don't include it when measuring distances. That is magically fantastic. So you've got a model that's you know sticking really far out away from the base. You have to measure. You have to measure from the whatever's sticking really far out. You've got a model, you know, perhaps the exact same model, but you've posed it so it's all in a straight line. So its arms are down by its side, you have to measure from that point. True line of sight. Or the best part, as somebody else pointed out in response to this, you you know, you play the game, you walk forward, do 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 at the end of your turn, what do you do? You turn around so you're facing away from the enemy, so your your pointing out gun or whatever is not facing towards the enemy. So the enemy is drawing is trying to measure their distance to do say a magic spell or to hit you with a sword, and they're like, Oh, just out of range. So then it's your turn again, what do you do? You just turn around, you're in range again. <laughs> what the fact they're now they, they now want to I know because they've had the previous people on square bases now they want to use round bases but they don't want to piss off people by saying you have to use round bases so that's why they're doing this base size doesn't matter I get that but if you're going to encourage people to use circular bases use the magic cylinder rule it's such a good rule yeah, I don't understand why so many games don't like the magic cylinder. I love the magic cylinder. 
Infinity uses magic cylinder. They call it silhouettes, don't they? Yeah. It's such a good rule. Mm-hmm. I nearly rage quit Infinity, you know. Really? Yeah. I, I, why? What happened? <laughs> well, normally, thing is, that's very unusual of me. Yeah. I'm either rage you, you, or I quit. Yeah. I don't not both at once. <laughs> you, you tend to keep going even if the even if the actual game has gone dead. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like I said, I can either rage or quit, but not both. Okay. Like I quit uh, Warmer Hordes. I didn't rage. No, you got into it. I was. <laughs> I, I quit it. I didn't rage though. Mm. I raged a lot about. Uh, Malifaux. Yeah. But you didn't quit. But well, you didn't quit. quit. No. <laughs> so why, yeah. why did you? Why? Well, because basically a lot of stuff which uh, I had, well, or what I was thinking of getting, had no printed rules. That's all changed now. Well, that changed really quickly, though. Yeah. Well, well, Be- well, 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 well. Technically, when you say printed, I mean it's digital. Hmm. Well, but you can print it out, though. Yes. yes. Yeah, I mean, so we talked about that last time we recorded, was that Infinity was short on rolls, and I thought it was shortly it, after It was recorded. only a couple of weeks after they put out after they put yeah. out the N3 book, did they put out the um, the PDF that had all of the unit stuff. No, Richard, the big difference for me is uh, there's a book coming out called... Uh, uh, I forgot what it's called now. What, Human Sphere Version 2? Yeah, Human Sphere Version 2. That changes everything. That's it. I'm back into it completely. And, you know, <laughs> I forgive everything. <laughs> but, the, but the N3 rules for the stuff in Human Sphere was on the internet. And it was the N3 stat profiles. Well, uh, what they had originally was basically... Uh, if it's not profiles or weapons, just like extra rules, mm. it was... Second edition, plus with Bigarata. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's it. But it was it was N three. They said these were the ones you can use for N three. So that was, was really there. bad. I'm trying Ooh. to hold several systems in my hand, head, Richard. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I I still think it should have been. I think they should have had every. You know, I'm a big believer that when they redid it, they should have had the N three book. Should have had everything that had been previously. Released. I think so too. But now, and with I think, the... in my opinion, all games when they do a revision, when they do their revised rule book, it should have those rules for everything they've currently released. I think the same thing with Malifaux. Well, they should have had all of their book two and book three and book four revisions in book one. Wait, did you just say book four? Uh, They're not really up to four books, are they? No, no, no. I mean, what, three. No, as in out of the original. Oh, 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 the so original four books. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Almost, yeah. Stuff. That's what I meant, sorry. Yep, yep. All of that should have been in their first book. The idea being, they've said, this is our new version. If you've got any models, cool. you can play with it. Same thing with Infinity. All of their stuff from there, because of course, the Infinity have done three books, didn't they? They, they had inf- the main book, rule book, they had Human Sphere oh. and Campaign Paradiso. All of those rules should have been in the first one. Richie, with Malifaux, I'm quite content with two books, thank you. <laughs> the third one's going to be all the new stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of weird, I know you kind of you, you were reluctant to talk about it, you know. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just reluctant for going on a rant, that's all it is. Well, like I... I, Oh, speaking of which, that message you... When you... (laughs) When you did, like, reply to email, you didn't put... You didn't 
do reply all. You just replied to me, Richie. Oh, so, no, sorry. so Will, Will, uh, Bill didn't get it. Okay. <laughs> and it says, I actually replied to you saying I still buy the stuff. I'm sorry, I'm drunk. <laughs> now, now, do you still buy the stuff because you're drunk, or? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's not fair. I look some some of the. So the well, the last th- the last thing I bought was the Molly box. Take back the night. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And okay. I love it. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. So I, what I'd still th- say that I don't like their art style. I don't like the models. Uh, that's the main thing now. Speaking of models, sorry, I'm gonna go back to Age of Sigma now. Yes. <laughs> um, the models, like, I think you kind of ignored it, but they're 40 mil for human size. 40 mil. Richie, Bill, you getting this? I don't understand the problem. They used to be 20. They used to be 25 millimeter bases. No, not. I'm not talking about bases. I'm talking about height of miniatures. Normally, oh, your scale style is like 30 millimeter height. They pushed it up to 40? Yes. Uh, so what were they before? So basically, 30. everything you buy now is going to look like a giant compared yes. to yes. the old... So, they, look, so Richie, uh, they used to do 20 millimeter heroic, which is really like a 30 to a 32 millimeter. Okay. You know, so now it's like 40 millimeters because these new, uh, I forgot what they call the fantasy space marines guys. Yeah. You put it next to a normal space marines, it's huge. It's like, like quarter more. Really? So they make yeah. space marines look small. Yeah. That's interesting. That doesn't even make, s- I, I don't even understand that. Look, uh, Bill, you, you got your browser there. Are you? Well, so no, no, no. I understand what you're saying. I don't understand why they would do that. I mean, they're they're that's. Are they supposed to be normal humans though, or are they supposed to be something else, like some sort of paragon? Well, Mm. the thing is, you got the marauders are huge as well. So my normal marauders, I have some, like about ten of them. They're gonna look tiny. I mean, from what I understand, imagine seven feet tall people, which with built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hmm. I mean, from what I understand, this is not taking place in the Warhammer world, is it? This is taking place in uh, a nothing dimension, which is the <laughs> results of the end times, where everything has ceased to exist, and it's this. It's, it's basically the Eye of Terror, and humans are surviving, being led by Sigmar. And I, from what from what I'm guessing, from the look, I mean, the fact they've got like you know angel space marines, you know, and by that I don't mean you know ones with mechanical wings, actual wings. We're looking at some sort of I don't know, some some sort of oh, what do they call those, um, like a, a like a Valkyrie style thing going on. Hmm. So could not be could we not be looking at not actually you know in in the, the starter range could we be looking at some sort of metahuman type thing you know perhaps they are either you know imbued by the power okay. of the human gods no, the or thing they is, themselves they, are demigods what they have is equivalent of uh, fantasy space marines now but yeah, where do they come from they have to have come from somewhere in the lore age of sigma uh, is a continuation from the end times but the thing is, everything else, human size is this size as well. But we've only seen a certain amount of stuff. Mm. We've only seen the starter set. Yeah. And they have. Said have that, you that... seen? Have you seen the starter set, Bill? Uh, no. I. So I. Okay. I don't follow GW stuff at all. Okay, Bill. Just 
go on Google, search, do like search for Age of Sigma and put on pictures. Search for pictures. Okay. So they have also said that you know everything that previously existed in the previous edition is still valid. Yeah, but <laughs> see, Bill, if you notice those characters, they look kind of normal. But think those bases are now four mil. Are now their forties, right? The, yeah. the... they're like the bases that used to put knobs on, you know, orc knobs. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I don't like going to the. Sorry, I I clicked the picture by mistake and ended up on the Bell of Soul site. <laughs> <sighs> you don't like Bell of Lost Souls? I don't like viruses on my computer. <laughs> really? I I have no problems with them. <laughs> If you ever want to have some fun sometime, um, and it's not quite as bad on a Mac because everything doesn't run, uh, go on a Windows machine, log, just log on or turn on a um, turn on anything that actually tracks the traffic going on and off your computer, and then go to the Bell of Lost Souls site and see what actually hits your computer. Wow. You'll be horrified. So all the normal human things are no longer the twenty-five millimeter bases; they're all forty millimeter bases. Yeah. Okay, I maybe you guys can understand can explain this aesthetic to me. So I'm looking at these wing winged flying knigets. And um they got they they have white painted wings, so yeah. I'm guessing they're supposed to be some sort of are they supposed to be some sort of energy wing or is it actually a natural wing like you said, Richie? No idea. I no idea. Because then they have this sort of metallic frame, not even armored, but a metallic frame around the top. I, I, huh? Right? So that's, that's, that's organic mechanical. That doesn't make sense. Mm. Well, they, you know, uh, this is more like elite things. The basic troops is something that looks like a blood angel, uh, sanguary god without wings. Have, have you seen any of those? The next white dwarf will have one free. I'm looking at a... It uh, looks like a white dwarf page that says Warhammer Age of Sigmar. Mm. So it's got a bunch of guys in gold armor with some halos around their heads. Yeah. It has some sort of knight with that looks like he's on some sort of demon steed. Uh, no, that's a, like a... Uh, that's the new thing that they have like a while ago. They're like sort of uh, lesser griffins. Griffins without wings. <laughs> It Smaller really griffin. Like <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like a griffin at all. That's what it is. Huh. Okay. It's griffin without wings. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my reaction. I I. So can I put my dwarves out? Apparently. They'll be. They'll look tinier than they used to be. Yeah, okay, so maybe they'll look appropriate. I mean, you know, they'll look like dwarves. I'll rename them the Hobbit Army, and I'll be good to go. Yeah, you could do that. What about you elves? They'll look tiny as well. They will look unassembled. They they will look unassembled. Yeah. I, I may build those eventually, but I have so much else to build and paint way before that. Actually, I spoke to David about Age of Sigma and this new size of this Which 40 mil. David from Leisure Games. Right. Actually, they're both from Leisure Games now. But I'm talking the senior staff one. Not the David who later joined them. Oh, 
thinking about the listener. Who's David? Well, he said he wasn't really sure about this new 40 mil human size, and they said, like, they might regret it, but I don't know. Well, Games Workshop themselves is saying something in lines like, the big is, big is the way forward. Well, and with their Tonka truck model kits now, <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? So this is fitting. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of think Games Workshop's policy at the moment in regards to how they move forward with new ideas... Um, it kind of reminds me of an old episode of the TV show Scrubs I once saw, where um, they, where one of the characters was asking the character of Doctor Cox how to, how do they know what um, dosage of medicine to give their patients, and his answer to that was, you know those pot, you know pot, pots of medicine you've got, you pour some into your hand, and you throw it at them. Whatever sticks, that's the dosage. It's like, that's kind of the same thing. It's just let's just just chuck random stuff at people and see what they buy, <clears throat> which of course is the essence of the free market. But it just seems too random. Also, did you notice the rules are just four pages long, which in itself is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm. It's kind of streamlined. It's kind of streamlined. If it is a streamlined, tight rule set. And from what I understand, you're supposed to have these war, war scrolls, whatever they're called, which are essentially stat cards. You know, if you've got if if you've got good complex and everything's tight and everything's streamlined, then the actual core rules themselves don't need to be you know big and well, long and bulky. From what I heard, the characters have if. some complexity, but the units are not. Mm. In fact, they're so simplified, there's no longer a toughness score or anything like that. Because uh, instead of like weapon skill and strength, you just now uh, you have like uh, hit on three plus or four plus or a wound on three plus and four plus. It's not compared to anything. That's that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a bad thing, but <laughs> I mean, I never really played Warhammer itself that much to get to grips with the rules. But I did play a fair bit of 40k in the second edition, and those bloody tables. Uh-huh. The amount of tables, you know, also your thing is this and yours is this, so I've got to roll this, oh, but I've got these modifiers. It was just unnecessarily complicated, and I have no idea how it's changed since, if it's changed. But, oh. yeah, I mean, I think if things like that, what, it, you know, it would be a lot easier. I mean, one of the things I found very funny is that, you know, I once auditioned for a job in a GW and one of the things that I learned while I was doing the auditioning thing the interview was um, and it kind of was an audition you had to put on a bloody performance was, was it the four F's what's or the thing? rule of fours is that uh, what it was what's, what's the rule of fours oh no 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 finish, your, finish what you have and then it I'll was basically that if you, when it comes to doing a demo don't think about what numbers needs to be rolled just roll some dice grab some of them at random and go they've done it <laughs> So yeah, I think that was the the four F's, um, right? It's the four F's. I I may get this wrong, but I think it was um, fast, furious, funs. Uh, fast, furious, fours, fun. A demo needs to be fast. Mm-hmm. A demo needs to show that your models are furious. Yep. Uh, anything you do needs a four, <laughs> yeah. and that'll make it fun. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That, was basically, that, that, was basically, that brings yeah, exactly. back that brings back memories 
when I was just like starting uh, GW, and you know that was my first miniature game. I got to admit, I was into Bretonians, which are kind of gone now anyway. But um, Breton- but don't say that. My wife still has a whole set of Bretonians she wants to sell. Um, well, I, I'm not into that anymore. Well, so, I've, I, I've heard they're coming back with uh, Age of Sigmar, and they're going to be like you know the new it thing. So you know. Take that little audio snippet, put that everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, remember in the first edition of Bretonians, when, well, actually it was like fourth edition uh, or fifth edition uh, fantasy, but Bretonians just arrived. And they had this something called Lens Formation. Remember? Was that, I do. Was that I the do. arrowhead thing? Yeah, well, arrowhead was for archers, Lens Formation was for knights. The horses, knights. yeah, yeah, yeah. horses. Well, what they told, well, what they told me in my local GW in Brain Cross is that uh, only units, well, figures which are actually touching the opponent's units can, uh, well, they sort of try to streamline it. Only, like, front three knights could attack if they charge something. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, it's ridiculous, but... <laughs> uh, that's not ridiculous, Andre. That's balance. Is it? <laughs> the whole thing about Bretonians, the win when they charge, and I actually didn't want to charge anything. Normally, you don't want to be like sort of flank charge in the side of the thingy, but I actually tried to attack with the side thing because that would bring more, <laughs> more of my miniatures into contact. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean they didn't use proper rules when explaining the rules to me when doing demos. That's <laughs> I don't think I don't think half the time I don't think they even knew the rules. Mm. They had to just pretend they did. Yeah. Mm. I mean, again, when I was in, doing this interview, they had just they had just launched the Lord of the Rings game, and I remember when the interview feedback came, and I was told that I was I was saved by an act of God because I wasn't given the job. <laughs> and, um, you know, I haven't to imagine what would happen for life Rich, I had. I tried to get a job in GW as well. <laughs> I, it may have been a good thing, Rich. I mean, there's lots of no. people that have gone to GW no, it at wouldn't time. Be. <laughs> and one of the things, one of the bits of feedback I was given as to why they decided not to take me was because I didn't know the rules for the just released um, Lord of the Rings game. And I thought to myself, uh. okay. Yeah, no one can know all the rules for all your rule sets. I reckon everyone else is just bullshitting. <laughs> uh, look, when I was applying for a job, I knew all rules. I actually, yes, I could have like. Yes, but on, Andre, we we know you're you're atypical. Yeah, but they said basically. <laughs> we use the They say that special. I kind of yes. you know I sound a bit too. Well, obviously back then my English was kind of slightly worse than it is now but mm. you know the sound that I I might scare smaller kids that <laughs> <laughs> with my voice <laughs> but we, we were out of the cold uh, then so <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm sure you wouldn't call, be- call people comrades so it's okay <laughs> Well, well, no, it's my accent, and you know, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Basically, I, I was denied a job because of my accent. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, well, and you know, I was applying. I'm not saying for... it's right, but I can imagine why that sort of thing would happen because people did. You know, the Games Workshop Brand Cross when it was still here, people used to call it Brand Crash. 
Yeah. Well, in all fairness, all GWs were back then. Were they? Yeah. Not all of them were in shopping centres. No, but I mean, I don't mean they they weren't all called Rent Crash, but I know they were all seen as nurseries. I remember when I was this, uh, you know, a young girl child, like eight, nine years old. You know, my mum would drop me off in the local GW and pick me up four hours later. Yeah, basically, you buy a blister of something on the yeah, end, you know, and that's it, and if keep that, you there. I, 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 if, if my mum, if my my mum bought me something, I'd be fortunate. Very often, it'd be here. We go. I've got to do some shopping for four hours. Dump you off there. Now I'm going to take you four hours later. The staff have spent their entire time basically childminding. Oh, and I'm not going to spend any money. Hmm. Well, you know, the crashes, the kids crash in shopping centres. They actually cost money to. Yes. You know. Exactly, that's the thing. You're getting there, essentially, you're getting childcare <laughs> for free. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess mothers in Brink Cross, they were a bit more considerate. They were actually buy them like a five pound. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm referring to my mum. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> most of them probably And did. leave them for hours. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, they were all like that. That was not something. I mean, I don't know what it was like in the US. I mean, maybe. Oh, they're the same. Yeah. They're the same. Do you normally have games workshops and shopping centers or like other places? Well, they there used to be some in malls and then they realized malls are expensive. Uh. So um they moved out of the malls into shopping centers. And and it was the same thing. I had lots I had friends who worked at games workshops and they complained about that constantly. Yeah, but you know, my local one's actually called Brent Cross, so you can actually easily call it Brent Crash. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So it's a nice little pun. Mm. Okay, I okay think, I think enough of Salute and Games Workshop. Okay, let's talk about Guild Ball now. So, Richie, you you didn't get into Guild Ball. No, I didn't. Now, uh, have you, you had any change of heart, Richie, or you still are not a fan of the sculpts, not a fan of the, the miniatures? I have, no sort- the, I have no idea about the rules, so I can't comment on that either way. They might be the most amazing rules, they might not they be... Are. I, I don't I don't know. Um, what I do know is that yeah, I think I've, I've been able to recently pinpoint exactly what it is. Oh, um, I, okay. I, I know exactly what it is. Um, it's basically Renaissance is the one time period that interests me the least. It's supposed to be medieval. It's, it's Renaissance, yeah. though, isn't it? No, Renaissance and medieval is two different periods. It's got a very Renaissance feel. Well, look. So, so to be fair, that sort of thing. I had a similar conversation with it. So I'm very biased. So some of what I may be saying, I could possibly be playing devil's advocate in the upcoming conversation. Uh, that said, I had a a, a conversation with um, Phil from Guild Ball tonight. And oh, sorry, to me. sorry, Bill. I'll, I'll interrupt you. You know, I'm referring to your podcast, you know, Guild Ball tonight, as Phil Bill. <laughs> I'm in, okay with that. I think he might be too. You, you know, that's a pun with Kill Bill. Well. <laughs> Kill, you know, Kill Bill. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So Phil Bill. But neither one of us is as pretty as Uma Thurman. Uh, I was sort of gonna do like a caricature of you <laughs> within this uh, yellow biker out. <laughs> oh boy, now that scares me. <laughs> because you know, I did the caricatures of me and Richie for. Um, yes. Yeah, for Hobby Sofa. And I did Richie as a, a guild uh, executioner. executioner and myself as uh, uh, the Sebastian. Morgus, Sebastian the Morgus. <laughs> nice. Have you seen that picture? I think so. It's our yeah. background for anyone yeah. who's interested. Mm. 
I should so, do one of you. In fact, I should do two of you, and I do feel with those that chain ball and chain weapon and you and that with a katana and that yellow biker outfit. That would be great. Wow, I just can't. I'm not sure how I feel about that. She is the pretty one from the movie. Well, I guess you're the pretty one. Oh, sorry, uh, Bill. I, I hope you don't get offended on this. I'm drunk anyway. But when I saw you, when I actually saw a picture of you, you're insulted because I feel insulted right now. Yeah, look, I, I saw you for the first time. I, the first thing which came into my head at that time was, "Oh my God, this is uh, Peter Griffin." Peter Griffin. What? Family Guy. Family Guy. Really? Yes. Oh my god, it's Peter Griffin, the family guy. Huh. I don't know how you should take that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure. I think we should just move on. I, yeah. oh. It seems today that all you see so, is violence and movies and sex on so TV. So, so let me ask you this, uh, Richie. Yeah. When when do you consider steampunk? Or uh, I mean, Victorian's really its own time, but Victorian's Renaissance as well, right? Yes. The difference so, is is that it's 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 fantasy Renaissance, right? Because it never really happened. Whereas this is more real life, you know, and it. And I mean, I remember studying in history when we we had to, we had to study the Industrial Revolution, and it was the most boring bit of history ever. Okay, that's and fair. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's because, perhaps it was because of those lessons. I have no idea. But it's just that whole that, that entire time period, and cool. the bits before it, and all of this, and everything that's medieval, and blah, 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 it just has no interest to me. It's like oh. I, was, I was never really. You know, um, you talk about you know, um, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if I've mentioned on this podcast. I've definitely mentioned on others how um, my collaborator in the game I'm designing, my friend Tom, he's very much into um, I think he's referred to as mixed medieval martial arts. You so, mentioned that in the in the, in the flock yeah, and awe yes, podcast. It's the, the the martial arts behind wearing a suit of armor and carrying a big f off sword and using it properly. And you know, and, it, and I've seen videos and stuff. It is a real martial art. It takes absolute amazing talent, and the skill, the physical skill behind it, fascinates me. The the meta, however, the learning about why it was done and the history, it's so boring. It has no interest in me whatsoever. But likewise, you look at other things. You know, for example, I am absolutely obsessed with things like uh, post. Sorry, a pre um, post World War One, pre World War Two history, European history. I mm. this sort of thing absolutely fascinates me. I don't really want to play a war game about it because it's kind of you know the actual when you're not when you haven't actually got the wars going on, it's a little bit boring. But the actual politics behind it and the events that led up to everything and all the different powers moving around amazes me. Whereas I talked to it about my wife with my wife and and, and she's like, yes, yeah, seriously, we've talked about this for the last two hours. Can we, can we talk about something else now? <laughs> <laughs> And it's the same. Oh. So I think so for me, that, um, you know. So whereas I can, so I think so I can understand why you know. So f- other f- other people, this time period is my equivalent of post World War One, pre World War Two. So, right, right. But but and so, so so I can understand why other people find it fascinating. Just for me, it does absolutely nothing. Well, for me, it's completely different. I like medieval stuff and I like Renaissance. Mm. I mean, j- just to prove a point, I'm not a big fan of um, Game of Thrones. I'm not a big fan of Game of Thrones either. You know. 
the I've, books or the TV shows or both? I haven't read the books. And I'm not I haven't read the, the books. I've watched the first two episodes of a TV show and I thought that was enough. <laughs> well, I, I'm more see, I, and I have a crack to make there, which is, which episodes did you watch, Andre? Because if they were the one early episodes... Two. Yeah, one and two. So clearly it isn't that you don't like Game of Thrones. You don't like porn. Well, uh, I... <laughs> I occasionally watch porn. Okay, let's okay. Pause a second. One question. Without going into too much detail, let's go to one other question. Um, but did, did you know, you to watch sorry, sorry, sorry. Cuts? In terms of porn, I like amateur ones where did, women okay. look like they're actually stop, enjoying stop, stop, it. Stop, stop. Did you ever used to watch the TV show Spartacus? I did. Oh. Uh, no, I don't. I, I know what it's about, though, and it's got lots of ugly sex in it. I, I, I don't watch it, no. Okay, in which case, I think, yeah, Bill, you're right. He doesn't like porn. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. Look, I, I like porn where women look like they're actually enjoying it. Okay, okay stop. I already said that. <laughs> I, that is a rat hole of pure Welcome, audience, to Hobby Sofa, brought to you by the age rating 18 and the letter X. I mean, this show's like Game of Thrones and Spartacus, they're just sick. I love Spartacus myself. I actually enjoy both shows, so apparently I do like porn. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Uh, so I, I find it interesting. You say you don't. Uh, let's see if I can uh, you know, wrestle this back onto the tracks. I find it interesting. You mentioned it's the it's the Renaissance period, or the you know it's the time period that you don't like. Um, I can I see where that is. One of the, doesn't I do? Yeah. Right, well, in, yeah. in one of the sets of models that I was talking about with Phil, he mentioned he is not a fan of it because they look too steam, uh, not too steampunky, too Victorian to him. Which ones are they? Uh, Avarice and Greed, which yeah. I gotta admit are some Don't of my fans. favorite ones. Yeah, that's what, not very what medieval. Are they? Uh, they're yeah. Union. They can be, they're actually the only Union players right now that can be played with every guild. Okay. And they're very, um, I, I mean, so to be fair, they are, and the name just slipped my head, uh, Neverwhere, um, who are the two characters in Neverwhere? Oh, uh, Mr. The ones, the, um... Mr. Croup and uh, it's Vandemar and Croup yeah. from Neverwhere. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and I saw them to begin with, and while yeah, and while I'm not a huge fan of the, of Neverwhere, I I enjoyed the book, I enjoyed those characters, and when I saw them, I went, I must have those models. <laughs> well, I never actually read any of Neil Gaiman's books, but really? I, no, I really love the Coraline film. Love it. Okay. If you get the chance, I recommend the audiobook on Audible of American Gods. That's amazing. Uh, That's really, really good. Okay. That is really good. Right. <laughs> so, Richie, you yes. still haven't said what you don't exactly like about Guild Ball. Yeah, he doesn't like the time period. Yeah, it's simple, okay. simple as that. I don't like the time period. Well, sorry, but that kind of sounds fairly similar to what one of uh, Bill's friends said, like, it's Gangs of New York, that's why I don't like it. I don't like Gangs of New York. No, 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 no. So you got to understand Dixon's point. It's not just that it's, it's, if it was just Gangs of New York, he would love the gang. No, I wouldn't. The gang. Well, see, but but that it, and it's, I always, I find Dixon's Dixon's discussion about this really interesting. If it was only gangs of New York, 
Dixon would completely be into it. But because it's gangs of New York kicking a ball around the field, because there's a goal involved, he can't stand the sports aspect of the game. So will you put a ball on every base in in your war machines? <laughs> I'm very tempted. <laughs> Model up all of my legion, you know, the little the little shredder, little tiny dinosaurs carrying a ball in their mouth. Uh, you know what you need to do? Just press mold the guild ball's ball. Yes. Just mold it. Because I mean, it didn't not it didn't stop you putting tau on like every exactly. <laughs> Valid point. Yeah. That's a very valid point. Yeah, that's that's essentially is it. It's simple as that. And yeah. because of that, that then is tied to the whole aesthetic behind the whole thing. Yeah. And I look at the models, and I'm like, you know, they are well made. They are very nice. And I understand there've been a few problems and with some of the sculpting and this and the other. But regardless of that, they're still like they're still nicely done. They are dynamic without being too dynamic. Um, I believe they're made with metal, I believe. Yes, yes. And, well, and, resin. and, and metal resin. is my favorite medium for models. Yep. You know, I prefer it to any other medium, even resin. Well, you can pick between metal and resin. Okay. They got both. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, I've seen their book and their their book looks absolutely beautiful, you know, and, you know, it, it's great. I just have to, I just have no interest in the time period. Simple as that. But it's not really a time period or anything. This is fantasy. Yes, but you have to. But it, yes, but it does have a. I mean, I think maybe part of the problem might be because I made the, in this case, mistake of listening and being involved to, from an observing point of view with the creation of the game, and, mm-hmm. and so as a result of that, I know about <clears throat> the the heavy influence of real world. Mechanics and events and all of this, and, bec- and so because of that, in my head, it is always going to be like that. Oh, Richie, but you said you like Game of Thrones, don't you? No, I don't. You don't? Oh, okay. That's my because point. Because a lot of people, well, it's like kind of like ga- people sort of put parallels between this and Game of Thrones because the amount of people that <laughs> in well, this game. So here's a question for you, Richie. Mm-hmm. And in, in not to uh, bring up, you know, flame wars or, or bad uh, feelings, but this is the same time period that Malifaux was in. What was it about Malifaux that you liked? Um, or, the, the, yeah, I was going to say, not so much liked, but but that overcame, you know, the, the yeah. dislike of the time period. Um, because of the fact that it was more fantasy, basically. It, mm. I really liked steampunk. It tapped into the Wild West thing, and I'm a huge Wild West fan. Which is funny, because it's the same time, but different place. Right, and, right. You know, and that's the funny thing. I mean, when I was younger, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure if you talk to most kids, it might be different in the U.S., because it well, is cowboys and Indians, isn't it? Isn't but, it? If, but you know, you talk to at least most kids in the UK; they don't realise that Victorian and Wild West is the same time. Okay. Because the the clothing is very different, you know, and you know you, you think of Victorian and stuff, and, and it's especially if you think of like Victorian London with you know the you know, kind of almost you know Oliver style thing going on. Right, right. You know, compared to the you know, you know, you know, uh, shootouts at uh, you know nine paces or whatever the hell. You know, very, very different style. 
And likewise, uh, the films are very different. I think well, speaking of Wild West, because what we thought was cowboys here in UK, it's it's not actually cowboys at all. Because we had this gunfighters, desperados, outlaws, and we we called them all cowboys. And well, cowboys is is a very small period in time. Well, the cowboys was one gang, wasn't it? What do you mean? I'm not a big Wild West guy. Uh, while I like the aesthetic, I was never, you know, I, I, uh. It's, it's covered in the film Tombstone. Yeah. And you've got this the one, there was one gang of outlaws who were called the Cowboys. And they were very, very famous. And that's where the name came from. Uh, as simple as that. But you also have, uh. Yeah, yeah, cowboys are, are ranchers. It just happened to be that, yeah, there was a, a gang known as the Cowboys and things like that. And it was a very short time period as well. Yeah. But I think so. I loved that's why I loved the whole cowboy Wild West, Weird West side of the mm-hmm. whole thing. I really re- that really tapped into all my terrain that I bought was Wild West. It was Wild West? I gotcha. And you know, some on my very first ever crew. Well, okay, I did dabble a bit in Gremlins, but that's kind of different. That's at the very beginning. Um, oh, sorry, the first Gremlin crew. They were not cowboys. They were hillbillies. Yes. That's different. Yes, yes, I know. I was going to say that's kind of different. The, part of the reason for that was because um, I um, I was kind of getting into a friend of mine. And our last game we played before that was a long time before that was Gorkamorka, and they kind of reminded me of the Rebel Grots. So it was like, you know the whole just because they looked a bit like Gretchen. So that was the obvious step in for me. My first real crew that I probably got into was Guild, but more importantly it was the uh, the Wild West part of it, with right. and that sort of stuff. Um, after then, it was then moving into the monstrous Neverborn. So I, I, okay. You know, and I never really touched into the traditional um, The Rezzers and the... Yeah. Exactly. I did at the very end get a Seamus crew, but that was mainly just because I thought he his individual story was good. Well, when yeah. it comes to Malifaux, I wasn't to everything. <laughs> yes, you were. And so that's well, the difference. And I can recognize that because so was I. I mean, I I I wasn't a Rezzer guy. That was the biggest thing I I wasn't into. Mm. So ah. yeah. So yeah, so, I, so Andre. Very different. So. Yeah. You um you won the gold competition. You mm. picked a team off of that, and then you went to uh, Salute. Did you pick up more teams at Salute? Well, um, no. I picked up Masons. At, no, sorry, not Masons. Fishermen at Salute. Okay. I got, the, I got my book, and I got my uh, uh, Fishermen. Because I they had these deals for, like, two books and two teams, and me and Gary. He went for Brewers. And I originally really liked Brewers. One, one second, going to interrupt. Two teams and one book. So was that the idea of two people getting together? Kind of, yeah. Nice. Got you. So it was £110 for two teams and two books. So that's, oh, that's not bad at all. Pop. That's not bad. 55 for full team and a book. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. How, yeah, much um, be, how much would it be normally, just just to compare? Well, um, the... £72? Something wow. like that, yeah. Okay, that's a good, that's a good, yeah, that's a good like, yeah, it's a good difference. Yeah, and Gary, well, he's Scottish, so he obviously liked Brewers. But the thing is, <laughs> I originally, re- thing is, I originally wanted to pick up Brewers. Um, who else? Uh, uh, engineers and uh, who? Uh, 
and morticians. But I ended up picking up fishermen, masons, and butchers. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> Complete U-turn over there. <laughs> yeah. So you got fishermen, masons, and butchers? Well, fishermen and masons have six-man teams. Butchers are only good starter. Because okay. I, uh, in a competition for the goal, build a goal thing, you you could pick up the full team and the and the book and I said I already got a book can I actually get a starter set instead and I said yeah sure so I picked butchers nice mm. yeah and um, yeah so I got my masons and and fishermen and fish the reason I picked fishermen is because I kind of think I already know what kind of bases I'm gonna make for them and um, <laughs> yeah. What are you... I, I, I can't wait to hear this. What are you going to do? Well, I know what I'm going to do for salt. For salt, I'm going to do, like, fish market base. Okay, that makes and sense. I'm, you know, a fish rat would be in the fish market. Yeah, and I'm going to be influenced by, uh, uh, well, Dutch, uh, uh, you know, Dutch... Genre paintings where they have lots of like fish markets and meat markets for 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 butchers. I'm gonna do like meat market type things. Built. <laughs> nice. Now, yeah. have you gotten anything built and started playing yet? Uh, no, because I've been playing bloody Borderlands too. <laughs> good game. Yes, it's a good game, but I thought I quit games for like two years now, and I'm a Gone back That's into the it. Great thing about games. No, it's you not. Us and we pull you back in. Like yeah. that line from that film. But you're getting out and you pull back in. I, I, I didn't play video games for, for two years. <laughs> uh, yeah. You've missed out on a lot of good ones. <laughs> we'll like need to talk about that. Carry on. Well, sorry, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of go into video games for a second there. <laughs> Because the game which kind of made me want to get PS4 is Bloodborne. Really? Yes. See, that, the, I've seen footage of that and it really does not interest me. It looks very repetitive. It looks very Malifaux. <laughs> yeah, and uh, is that Vision 2 or Vision 1? <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, Richie, you also, in, in Twitter, you sort of mentioned about downloading Arkham Knight. Yes. Did you do it? Yeah, I did. You know, it's it's really bugged. It's actually been pulled off Steam. Yeah, and yeah, no. I already had it downloaded at the time. Um, Lucky you. <laughs> what? I actually watched people, you know, <laughs> play the thing and how the way this war. That you should hear. Oh my god, this is okay. So this is what happened. So for those who don't know, and those who I hope are interested, because if not, you're going to be told anyway. Um, so as many of you may know, the. Uh, Warner Brothers released the latest and supposedly last in the supposed um, Batman Arkham trilogy, Arkham Knight. It was released simultaneously on multiple platforms, being PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And, and Steam. Well, that's on PC. And, okay. and received rave reviews um, across the board for the two consoles. PC, however, had a massive problem to do with um, the... It all boils down to they... Crushing. Uh, it was more than that. It's more than that. They what happened was they what's the word I'm looking for? What's it called when you have a when you have a product and you give it to another company to deal with? 
Outsource. Outsource. They outsourced the porting of the software to a third party. (laughs) And what happened, from what I understand, was the third party then did the outsourcing, completed it at the last minute, gave it back to Warner Brothers or Rocksteady or whoever it was who was involved in it, and they just went, right, chip, go, without properly testing it. And you know, a, com- a company taking their product, not actually testing it before selling it to the, to the market. Wow, I, I, it's, it's impossible. Who would have thought of doing that? Um, you know, I haven't, it's I crazy haven't ranted, talk. I haven't ranted crazy about that talk. on this very podcast before, have I? <laughs> anyway, and what happened was people had massive problems running it. Um, now, without going into extreme detail, um, I am able to play almost every single top-of-the-line computer game at the moment on my machine despite the fact that my CPU is really, really subpar. It is really subpar. It was given to me by a friend of mine just so I could actually use the computer, with the, with the idea being you're going to have to upgrade this. Um, but I'm able to run almost every brand new game on maximum resolution and quality that works because my graphics card is super-powered. Okay, it, so it, I was going to say, I know plenty of people. It, it, just, it just carries everything up, and it, it really does. And it's an amazing graphics card. It it's a few years old now, but it was really well done at the time. And it's fantastic. Um, the recommended minimum graphics card to run this, which they've now looked at it, they said in order to run the current game at its minimum spec is more powerful than mine. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's my, my my mine is powerful enough to pick up my subpar CPU and allow me to play modern games at top rate. So it's that powerful. And they say you need more powerful than that to run this a minimum. Oh. Um, and so this came to a head for me personally. Where I was like, yeah, let's just give it a try. I've heard, I've heard bad stories, but at the same time, I've heard some other bad stories about other games. You know, and it's like people just being over exaggerating. They're like, oh, wah, 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 wah. I'm running it below 60 frames per second. It's unplayable. And so, like, in all fairness, most of my games I don't really play at 60 anyway. So let's just give it a try and see what happens. If it's rubbish, I can uninstall this and wait for it to be patched. You know, no, no harm done. So I went to, went to play, play, press play, and for those who are familiar with Steam on PC, will know that when you do this and you press play, it tries to install some Microsoft framework. It does this every time you try and, the first time you try and do a game on, on Windows. And it's doing it, it's ticking over, it's ticking over, it's ticking over. So, okay, what the hell's going on? Until I see that the process of doing so has caused the whole thing to basically crash. And I say, like, okay, this is a bit rubbish. So let's try and close it down. I was having problems with that. Okay. Do some round works and eventually get it to shut down. But in doing so, it has sapped all my computer resources. Trying to wow. get this game to run the first time, it's just my RAM is gone, my cache is gone, the works. Okay. Nice and easy. How do you, you, know, how do you clear cache? You RAM, restart computer. Nice and easy. Restart it. Beep, 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 beep. A little message pops up. Um, you um, can't boot from your hard drive. What? <laughs> what? Restart. Can't boot from your hard drive. Please select another medium. So, but I've only got Windows and one hard drive. What, what the hell are you talking about? Check. Yes, it is trying to do that. What's going on? Uh, about, after about seven attempts, it finally got in. And basically, the process of just trying to get this bloody game to run, it sapped my resources so much, it couldn't actually properly restart, so therefore it couldn't clear its cache and RAM, and it basically meant that I, had no, I didn't have the power in my computer to start up. That's impressive. And I'm like, I've never had a game do that before. <laughs> so I was like, uninstall. Straight away, uninstall. <laughs> it's still on my account. I'm not having to ask for a refund. It's going to get fixed at some point. And I, you know, it sounds to me like that's a feature. 
yeah, you can't you can't see how bad it is because it's not yes. even going to let your computer work. It's, well, it's a feature written by parents to stop kids from playing the game and get them outside to play in the sunlight. <sighs> it was I've never had that happen before, and I haven't heard of it happening. It's happened to before, so it's probably related to you know, this, that, and the other. But my God. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Bill, sorry, I'm going to turn away from video games That's now. Fine, fine. About Guild Ball, uh, yes. did you know that Guild Ball uh, miniatures have been printed by Prodos? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, Prodos printed them. So you're talking about the the, the 3D prints used before they, um, before first, they cast Before they cast them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And Protoss, who does Warzone and Alien vs. Predator, they're the ones who printed them. Yeah. Hmm. So, it's a useless fact, but, you know, it's just... <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. <coughs> also, <coughs> so, Bill, um... So, well, hold on. So, let me ask you, Andre. You, you, you've said that it's a fantastic game, you really like it. Mm-hmm. Does this break your Malifaux addiction? No. How come? I want them both. Okay. Is part of the fact that they're not stocking it in Leisure Games, so if you wanted a game of it, it would be a lot harder to play? Does that have an effect? Okay, first of all, our little fragile Malifaux community in Leisure Games didn't survive transition to the second edition. Oh, really? No. Oh, okay. Um, oh, the kind the of... reason I say that is because I know that you know um, both Davids ha- were involved in Malifaux. You were, so mm-hmm. I've assumed that at least between Look, the three of you, you would, you know, well, still be Well, I don't know, but some other people they were kind of thinking of going back to it now again, but fingers crossed, maybe we'll start it. But mm. I don't know. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a little bitch. You know, if you enjoy it, that's all good for you. You know, I'm not going to be a little bitch. Well, I, to be honest, it's, it's, I'm, yeah, it's, it's it's all about enjoying the game. It's more, I'm more into miniatures than the game, and though I still find the game enjoyable. Hmm. But and, fair enough. And you like the miniatures um, in the art style. Now, you also like the miniatures in Guild Ball, right? Yes, I do. Um, and uh, like again, like what I said, I do fish market for salt. And I'm thinking of like a little some rocks with the uh, waves of uh, smashing into them for uh, Kraken. Hmm. Uh, uh, there'll be like a little anchor in front of him as well because he's got lots of ropes. I'm gonna press mold the ropes and do like more of them like an anchor in there and you know. And I'm thinking of full body tattoos for Kraken. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think that's almost a must. That's why I don't like the alternative. Kraken because it's got more of his back covered. <laughs> I actually I can put more on the original one. Also, I'm gonna make mine lean forward slightly so it'll be much more aggressive, more menacing pose. <laughs> I know how to fix them. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, for Shark, I'm thinking of uh, like a piece of smashed ship, a figurehead with the front of a ship, he'll be sort of like running up it. Now, so what's your you know, like what I don't not so much what's your opinion of the gameplay, but what do you think about the gameplay so far? 
Well, I haven't properly played it. I, I read the rules. I, I'm not fully understand it yet, but it's from what I've seen so far. I'm like head over heels over it. Okay. What are the things that have really appealed to you? Well, the playbook. The playbook is just how much option with one rolls you have. So m- you can after doing the roll, you can choose so many things afterwards. It's like uh, can I interrupt a second? Um, as yeah. someone who uh, doesn't know what, what what's the what's the playbook? So I was just going to jump into that. So so Guild Ball is a D six system, and it's uh, like one of the things that I'm a li- I was a little hesitant about, and and still actually am, is it is a bucket of dice type of system. Yeah. So. Well, right, and a lot of people like it. Just for me, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, so typically what you're going to do, you have a stat that actually tells you uh, how many dice you're going to roll to do a normal attack, if you will. And I think one of the keys here that a lot of people fall into is attacks are not always what we would think of as attacks. The fishermen are a great example, and I think I talked about this uh, when John and I were talking about the game. Yeah, I think I'm um, hearing this, yeah. You know, the way that you, as as one of the fishermen players, the way you would run through the middle of a scrum and sort of bounce off of players is by making attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and But each of those attacks would result in a dodge, and that dodge would then move you through the scrum without actually somebody being able to stop you. Um, so but that's way- just one of the options. You have so many right. things you can do with it. So the way that comes about is... I roll my bucket of dice, I look for my target numbers. Let's say I'm trying to roll fours, and I'm going to roll... And when I say bucket, I'm rolling, you know, eight dice. Okay. Right? Sometimes I have some guys that can that can get up to about 11 dice. I don't think there's What's too many the people average? above 11 or 12. Um, average on a charge is probably... What's, nine what's dice the average across the game. So when you're rolling dice, what's the average for the entire? Game? Yeah, and see that's what I want to. That's what I want to answer for you because there's two situations when you charge, mm-hmm. you get extra dice. So the average when you're charging is eight or nine dice. Okay. The average just in general is four to five. Got you. Right, and and it could spike up a bit more than that, and it can go a bit lower, but that's kind of where you fall. So I look for a number of successes, and then everybody has a chart. The chart has two rows. It has eight columns. All eight columns are not necessarily full. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people only have five of those columns full or whatnot. And based on the number of successes you roll, for every success you get access to an incrementing number an incremental number of columns and if you ever go if you ever get access to more than you actually have columns in that eight row or that eight, eight column table it wraps around back to the beginning gotcha so what that table then gives you options of is your your plays that's your playbook and some of those plays are going to push people some are going to make you move and dodge some are going to be special plays that only your character can do some are going to be damaged some are going to be knocking people down some are going to be taking the ball away from somebody that makes sense yeah and that's really, I mean, that's that's kind of what it that that's where that playbook boils down. But it is, I, I agree with Andre. It's it's one of the parts of the system I like. It it's it ends up being a very elegant system mm. to how things go, you know. And it answers some questions you might see in other games, right? Uh, in other games, if you give somebody a really powerful ability, they're going to use it all the time. Yeah. 
Well, in this game, you can only, you can control how often somebody's going to use it by how difficult you make it for them to get to that ability. Mm. And whether, and then you can also give them the ability to just spend kind of action points to trigger the ability, or they have to make plays to get there. There's certain abilities that you could only use the ability if you're able to successfully to, to get enough successes on attack to trigger that play. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So. So you were saying, Andre, you like the playbook. Is there anything else about the system that really appeals to you? I, I mean, other than everything? Like, were there other standouts? Well, about the system, I'm more into miniatures when I'm into rules. You know me, but... Right, you know, yep. Like for butchers, for for Boiler, I'm thinking of making it like a cauldron or half or something, you know? So what's your favorite fire. line? Let me ask you that. Or your favorite three models in the line? I don't know. I like a lot of them, to be honest. I uh, I like Kraken a lot. But then again, because I'm kind of thinking project to project, and I I know how I'm going to handle Kraken, and I think this is going to be great project after I finish it. And mm. Right. So Kraken, uh, for so anybody who wants to go look at the models, it, it, the, they can check them out on the Guild Ball site. Uh, for you, Richie, Kraken... Kraken uh, is my one of my favorite miniatures out there. The original Kraken. He's this big honking... Now, Now the large models here... I'm, actually, I'm thinking of making it black, though. I don't know if it fits. The, uh, him. Make it. Yeah, so he's on... He's one of the... I, I would argue he's one of the iconic models for the game. I would Not agree. Really. Well, mm. Oh, I would agree. He's I, not I a captain, so. though, though. You don't have to no. be a captain to be iconic, though. Okay. Um, I think. I mean, I think the fishermen in particular, as in, in general rule, are one of the for me iconic guilds. They be, largely because I mean, you had um, the, so the fishermen and the butchers are the yeah. first launched with. And you got you know I mean you had what was it the woman who's holding the spear up? I mean she was like the first model they put out full stop, wasn't she? Siren. Uh, siren. Yeah. yeah. So as a result, you know that's going to be an iconic image for the game. But it's fun to look at. I so just taking those two teams, it's fun um, to look at how they sculpted the different models to sort of fit. So you have Kraken, and then you have um, Boar for the butchers. They're both Boar? the big honking beater models. Is he the one? Is Boar the one with the beard? Uh, no, 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 no. That's Vox. Boar is not the captain. He's just a big guy. Yeah, but he's a so. So Boar, when you look at Boar, he's he's sort of running. Oh, see, he's got his cleaver up in the air. Yes. He's pretty much screaming at you through his uh, big honking mustache. I, I mean, to me, actually released because I'm only seeing sculpts. Yes. So no, they just put the, they're all, they do sculpts for everything. But but he's a model that I look at him just the way they did the musculature and everything else. Mm. While I am positive that both Kraken and Boar will beat me down, Boar is scary. Kraken, I can kind of go, I just don't want to go mess with that guy over there. Boar, he's coming at me. Mm. <laughs> and And they really convey that in the models, I feel. Well, the thing is, you know... I'm into a miniature game called Bushido as well. And yes. there's a miniature there called uh, uh, Kirai Ashigaru, which is basically zombie foot soldier with katanas. 
Now, the official miniature, he's just like, he's got his sort of leg up and stands on like little rock or something. And he's got two katanas in two hands. That just, that poses looks rubbish. What I did, I make him lean forward. Because the arms are poseable, I make them sort of go down to the sides of him and because and make him on sort of a ledge which sort of sl- uh, make him look like he's running down slope and that sort of made the the pose menacing okay but, yeah i completely changed it you know just by adding right base and reposing it so my kraken will look menacing trust me Oh, so look i'm not saying they're not menacing but definitely from an aggression standpoint um yeah. They're, they they dev- they've captured aggression. They've captured. I, I mean, if you look at the difference between Siren and Angel, just on the fisherman's team, Sirens and and, and uh, she's well, she's a bit, Angel's a bit low profile, isn't she? <laughs> well, she's low profile, but she's she's you can see the innocence in in what they have over there. Um, so so there's two females on the fisherman team. One that's yeah. a bit older, holding the spear up. Yeah, and one that's a little girl. She, she's a, not little girl, but she's young. Behind her. Sp- Sorry, yeah, she's what, got kind a, of, what kind of animal is salt anyway? Oh, he's supposed to be an otter. That's yeah, that was the joke I kept making. He's a rat. That's all an otter is. It's a sea rat. Otter. Well, yeah. Actually, funnily <laughs> enough, I forgot the guy's name. I, I don't want to go into my uh, picture collection. I have um, like a, I got like a very large library of art books at home, and lots of it is of Dutch genre painting and there's a nice fish market painting and it's got like an author in there like okay, now, game. if I go onto Google Images and search for Dutch fish market I'm not going to come up with something dirty <laughs> am I? Mm, I, I, I should think it. so <laughs> um, is fish there a market. special name for otters in, in, um, uh, in um, Chicago mm-hmm. don't they call them lobsters or something what? no what? No. no, I gotta go with no there. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna tell you what I'm talking about. I'm incorrect, yeah, Richie. If you have Google, if you have Google, well, you'll be able to find it because this picture. Okay, the artist's name is uh, Franz Snyder's. Franz Snyder's Fish Market. Okay. There's a really nice author in this picture along the other fish and yeah that's how I'm going to paint my salt okay yeah (laughs) so I will say this being not the best painter in the world and nowhere near Andre's level (laughs) like not even in the range to understand some of what Andre tells us about painting um, these models I, I don't know what voodoo magic they did but they are sculpted in such a way that even doing basic base coats and some washes or base coat wash and some highlights, they come out very clean. I mean, there's just the okay. detail on it is great without being uh, too complicated, if that makes sense. I mean, and I'm hoping, Richie, you know what I mean, because Andre has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what kind of put me off brewers? Miniatures, I mean. You because don't like alcohol? Well, <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't have proper kilts because they just have like a piece of cloth in front of them and 
because that's not what kills are. I was like prepared to like do proper tartan on them. I like got like very advanced. Are they missing the sporran? Huh? Are they missing the sporran? Well, they just have this. Some of them have this cloth around the shoulder, but it's supposed to go around the waist. And it's just a little thing in the front. Why yeah, they, not... they don't all have full kills. They're not proper kills. Okay. That's what bothers me. <laughs> because I actually have some very advanced level guidebooks on paintings, how to do proper tartans on like 70 mil miniatures. <laughs> and I think I can do this on, on, on normal miniatures, but oh, then there's no, there's nothing to put it on. <laughs> and also this little, because it's like, it looks like it's made from several pieces of cloth which are stitched together. Those stitches that they really get in the way. I was kind of considering if I was going to get them, I was going to cut them off and fill them in green stuff. Now, now if you feel ambitious, Andre, I will ship you my butchers. <laughs> you can paint them and do all of your complex tartan uh, on what they do have and then you. send them back. <laughs> in fact, I'll even pay shipping both ways. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh. I won't even take them first, so you won't even have to be embarrassed by my basic. Uh. <laughs> and then you get the joy of having them mentioned yeah. and commented on, even showcased in, you know, the Premier Guild Ball podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Speaking oh, of Guild Ball podcast. This. Hold on, so, so you'll like this. <clears throat> Actually, Andre, now, Andre, you've never harassed me about getting my stuff commission painting. So you, both of you are going to, I think, find this amusing. So my co-host in Guild Ball tonight has a, um, has another, uh, so another he writes poetry. Um, he has another podcast called Game Punting where he reviews, um, he reviews Kickstarter. Kickstarter yes, okay. So I started listening to that. I'm actually enjoying it. And I come across this one episode. Now this is, several episodes into Guild Ball tonight, it's several, several, several months after he and I have been talking. Um, you know, and I've already talked about how my plan is to send out and get one of my teams commission painted, and I, I get other stuff commission painted. Alchemists? Uh, I'm still planning on getting the Alchemist done, yeah. And um, so he's on his other podcast that doesn't have me on at all. He's talking to that co-host. That co-host makes some mention about commission painting, and and Phil goes on a rant. How he can't stand anybody, he can't stand commission painted models. He never understands people are just lazy who go out and get their models commission painted. Like he just goes on this whole thing, and, and I'm listening, going, he's never said anything to me about that. Wow. So of course, well, I actually understand him there. I wouldn't let anyone, you know. Uh paint my models, even if they're better than me, to be honest. Oh, yeah, he actually, and, and I will give him a break, because I, 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 I won't say confronted him, because it wasn't really a confront. I found it funny. Mm. Um, but uh, I asked him about it. I'm like, dude, why did you never say anything? And he, and he said to me, apparently what I do doesn't bother him as much, because I still paint <laughs> my own models. It's just that some of the stuff I don't paint. But yeah, he... It's not just for his own stuff. Like, he would never commission paint his own stuff, and he looks down on other people getting their stuff commissioned yeah. painted. And Arden, I would never do my own, but I have no problem with other people doing theirs, because why do I care? As long as, uh, they, as, long as they don't pretend it's theirs and enter in painting no, competitions. the thing for me is, yeah, who I, I actually like painting more than plain, so if I actually paid for miniatures, why would I want anyone to paint them? 
so I understand what both of you are saying. I absolutely understand what both of you are saying. And to be fair, I would say fluctuating between a good 60% of the time up to 95% of the time, I enjoy playing more than painting. So, so I always enjoy playing more than painting. There are times when I do enjoy, you know, I enjoy painting and I do like getting my own stuff painted and out there. Um, with that said, there, there comes a certain point when I look at my backlog of what I have to paint or what I'm, what I'm planning on painting. I compare that to what I would like to paint. Yeah. And then I look at how often I actually get down to paint. Well, you don't want to look at my backlog. But, you know, if some people actually, you know, they look at the backlog of paint, unpainted stuff and don't want to look at it again. I actually enjoy looking at my unpainted miniatures and it's like, oh, what am I going to paint next? Even though I am not didn't do much paint in, in the last couple of months. I don't know. Bloody video games. But <laughs> yeah, um. well, I mean, and and I've noticed. I mean, and I get that if I painted more, some of the things would get picked up. But uh, you know, speed and everything. But right now, I don't paint often enough to be consistently time um, time efficient painting. Right. Well, I never said I was time efficient. I'm very time inefficient. <laughs> Well, but I also like to now, and maybe this is the same for you. I prefer to play with fully painted, fully same. painted. Like same. if I have a choice, yeah. I would play fully painted. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I I just I mean, yeah. The trouble just, with me, I like to sort of spread into things, so I never have one single thing completed. I'm going to like. <laughs> uh, I, I think I don't know. To me. Part of it is that I always want to try and push myself because I know I, I don't know I feel like when I do a model I can always do better, or more importantly that I feel like um you know I, I've got a personal style of painting and I feel that I can fine tune my own style more and more every time I do it. So that's one of the reasons. Another reason I always have to mention this and this is such a large part of me is is budget, and I think that while I don't currently commission, I currently can't imagine commissioning, if money wasn't an issue, or if I was able to get it done for free, um, then there are definitely certain individuals who I would love to get it done, not not because of their particular style or talent, but because of their relationship to me. Okay. And so therefore, you know, so Andre is an example of one of them, friend Tom. Um, both happen to be very good painters, but my reasoning would not be because they're very good parents, but because they're actually friends of mine. So therefore, it would it's be, a, like it would be doing... a, a totem to that relationship. In C, what's in... Oh, go ahead, Andre. It's like I'm doing some commissions for David, even though I feel like I'm not doing commissions anymore, period. And I'm doing it <laughs> half price for him, and I, I just... Because I like normally for a single miniature, basic miniature would charge like fifty quid. Mm. But I kind of refused, re- like one of my customers recently, be- just because I don't want to do it now. But you know, for David, because he's a friend, I sometimes still do it. Yeah, like I still love him. I can understand that. I mean, for me, so so I just ran into this recently, right? I've been having issues with my work where I'm not being paid consistently, which is a complete nightmare for me. Oh dear. 
Yeah, and and so you know, juggling budgets and stuff that really cramped down on a lot of my budgets, which is why some of the things that I would normally have done I haven't gotten done. I I e commission getting my you know commission painting my alchemist, which would have been done by now. Mm. That said. What I did find, so I'll still go out and I've sold, like I sold some of my Wild West Exodus stuff that I was never going to build. And, you know, I've sold it off, sold and traded off some things. When I have that cash, which is going to be gaming cash, um, I'm playing so many games right now that I tend to kind of drop back. So a great example in this case, I had some extra money. I had put it away in eBay. It was, you know, bills were taken care of. All the responsibilities were taken care of. I could have bought some new Star Wars X-Wing ships but instead i put those towards getting um 13th hour miniatures convy to commission paint a chunk of my wrath of kings models because to me that was that was the better value there so instead of expanding out a game i only play sometimes where i normally would have spent the money on that um with the you know so so i i tend to do those those types of judgment calls back and forth um and i have two armies so he's painting the specialists and the leaders from one army, and I have the entire other army that I'll be painting. Well, as long as I primed it already, that means I'm painting it, right? <laughs> uh, I like that argument. Yeah. But but again, that's that's one of those situations where in one game system, I'm painting fully half or more of my models, mm. but I also want to be able to play with both teams quicker, or you know, both in this case, both armies faster. For me, painting is most interesting part. So if I paint for models, why would I want to pay someone? Right. What you should be doing is paying people like me to play for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't really. I used to do commission paint, and I don't really want to do it anymore because I just Can don't I paint actually, my. That's actually. If you wanted to do more commission painting, I, I know you said you didn't. But if for, if for any reason you decided you did want to, that could actually be a really good idea essentially do sponsorship find someone who's a really prominent player say mm. I'll paint your models he goes to a tournament a Depticon or whatever and, and says when... painted by so and so talk about advertising you know what I noticed because if you have really well painted band or whatever that yeah. kind of distracts your opponent they're admiring miniatures when they should be thinking about or, strategy. Or it, it, it can actually really screw things up for you, as happened with the very first time <laughs> I went to a um, GW. And um, I was there with my dad, and I was, I was about, probably about eight, nine years old at the time. And we walked in there, and there was two people who were playing with their own models, a game of um, fantasy. And the first thing he did was he walked up, had like this uh, goblin general and a giant spider, and just picks the model up and went, ooh, look at that! Oh, and I'm like, no. Dad, they're in the middle of a game. <laughs> and Richie never got a game with that group again. <laughs> You're the Actually, one with the dad! <laughs> you know, in my local games workshop, there used to be a guy, I was kind of his friend, so I was gonna give him some painting lessons, so I painted one of his miniatures while he was watching. Mm-hmm. He kind of improved slightly because of that, but the, in the end, he ended up with like with a miniature painted by me for absolutely free. And uh, you know, he actually had some friends visiting him during the work time, and he said, "Oh, you want to see something amazing? And, you know, show me painting the thing." Um, well, my idea was basically get them improved. He kind well, mm. 
uh, and the thing is, I what what the miniature was painting for him was the like hag for dark elf hag for cauldron of blood. That's what I was painting him. And uh, one of his friends, he was showing it to. He got jealous. Hmm. He said, "In the next game, well, thing is, this guy was playing dark elves, and his friends was playing high elves." He says, "I'm gonna kill that hag. I don't care if I lose the game. I'm gonna kill it. <laughs> I'm gonna send the dragon after it." <laughs> On a slightly related but slightly unrelated tangent, you know, because you know we never go on tangents here. Uh, Never. um, What I find interesting is, um, and I'm wondering if you would agree with this, Andre, that when you've got certain people who are of such a talent that the mere mortals like Bill and I can only just stare on in wonder. Uh, um, Richie, sorry. Before you continue, let me. uh, But I am a mere mortal. I never <laughs> pretend for any of those like uh, <coughs> liar, <coughs> liar. <laughs> I think um, there sometimes there seems to be some sort of I don't know if it's a it, it maybe it is a, 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 a mental thing or a language thing in general. I mean, that I seems to be where people where there's a. A, tr- a, a, a trouble in from these godlike painters explaining to the mere mortals how they do it. Um, Dampol being, um, I remember I've um, haven't I, I haven't seen it myself, but I've heard from a couple of reviews. There's that book um, that was recently put out by Onhel Heraldes, the guy who paints for useless to me, useless to me. Well, well, the interesting thing is, is that apparently in the book. You know, the idea being is it's supposed to be, you know, how to paint like this guy. And he's... I mean, I mean Bill, have you seen any of his work? Angel Geraldus is the one who does all the Infinity Miniatures. Yeah, I, I have. And, and it's... His stuff is amazing. Yes. And apparently in the book, what he tends to do is he'll have, you know, three pictures... And he'll say, and now you do this. And he'll just basically explain what he has done. And now you paint the face. In, in a real loose term, and you read that, and you go, "Great! How did you paint the face?" Because to him, it is just second just painting. You the just face. do it. You just paint the face. Is what you do. And it's like, but I, I need to know the basics. I need to know how you paint that face. You can't just tell me just paint the face because that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, come on, Richie. I I understand exactly what he's saying. So what you do is you get ninety-seven different shades of flesh tone. <laughs> <laughs> And you highlight each of the places the light will hit appropriately. Fifty shades of flesh. <laughs> oh God! The connotations of what you've just said. <laughs> now, why the why the heck is the best-selling uh, erotic book is about sadomasochism? What Don't is fucking wrong uh-huh. with these people? To eroticism. Oh wait, uh, dark. Without 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 wanting to get personal, um, Bill, does your wife like that book? How do I answer this? Uh, my wife, my wife has not read the book, and neither she nor I enjoyed the movie. Fantastic. Well, I haven't seen the film. I never read the book, but I know it's a fan fiction based on Twilight, <laughs> which was. Which was in fan fiction based on something else. 
at work we were joking about the about this about the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing, and we would and the joke we made and because I was working I worked with a ton of women and almost all of them were saying they don't get it they just don't understand why this is supposed to be sexy and this that and the other and so I made a joke which was essentially quoting what my wife said where in her opinion um, the people who enjoy Fifty Shades of Grey are essentially women who just aren't getting laid. And the best part of the whole thing—that's why I wanted to double check to make sure you, because if your wife said that she liked it, I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna make that joke. Huh? <laughs> and the best part being is, as we just after we said this, someone comes over and goes, oh, a woman comes over and goes, oh, are you um, talking about Fifty Shades of Grey? I love that book. And everyone just starts laughing, going, we know far too much about you now. Yeah. Are they, are they masochists? <laughs> because ah, oh, it's. I mean, I, I mean, um. I mean, I, I've only been shown a couple of snippets of the, of the, the words, and the thing is, you know, I'm no amazing author. I'm not even. Uh, oh no, the writing is shit. Author, but the writing I could is write shit. better than what this person writes. It's atrocious. So when the movie was coming out, and I knew we were going to be seeing it when it came out on video, we weren't going to pay to go see it in the theater. Um, I became intrigued enough to do a little research to possibly go download the book and read it. Never actually went that far to download it. Mm. Um, I found a couple of websites and a couple of blogs that actually uh, reprinted a couple, just just a handful of paragraphs. Yeah. And the writing, and these were fan sites mm-hmm. that were trying to you know show the great value of this book. The writing was so subpar, yeah. I couldn't bring myself to actually buy it. And I've bought some pretty shit books. <laughs> I, I mean, I bought that first Eldar novel. I mean, come on. The, uh, <laughs> you know, the C.S. Cotto book, Goto book. So, and read it. I mean, I forced yeah. myself to read it so that I could say it's complete shit. <laughs> <coughs> so, by Games Workshop starting, that, that writing is crap. Uh, by I think anybody who can you know if read games workshop standards is anything to go by, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's oh, what's his name? There's a fantastic. If you ever get the chance, I don't I don't know if it's on YouTube, but if you get the chance, if you haven't already seen it, there's a, a dramatic reading by Charles Dance. Hmm. No, I haven't seen that. It is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Okay, sorry, I'm kind of wanna go back to Guild yes. Ball and uh, you brought it up and also yeah sorry sorry I apologize guilty as charged and uh, also Guild Ball tonight uh, certain things I kind of I often listen to these podcasts and I think like I, I got a lot of to say about this but you know then I forget everything but <laughs> you know this um, organized play thing you know it's not called uh, Fields of Glory anymore it's kind of sad isn't it because uh, Phil or Oxo, he he written poetry about this, you know, fields of glory, eh? Save it for the dang kickers. <laughs> fields of gore, I say. You know, I kind of listened to this and I thought, this this needs one more line, one more line and some music as well. You know, fields of gore, I say. <laughs> the gore never bothered me anyway. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, what did you? Do, do I, you do you want to build a goal? <laughs> oh. So, so let me throw. What is your feeling, Andre? On um, you never really did a lot of tournaments, right? No, I never did any of them. How about you, Richie? Uh, a small number. Okay. Are you familiar with the idea of a death clock? Yes. Yes. 
What do you think about that? I used to play chess, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about the death clock. <laughs> I think it depends on the game. <coughs> so, well, see. With some games it works fine. With some games it actually makes it better. With some games it makes the game unplayable. So what they've done here, yeah, what they did here, and I, I just, I think it was absolutely brilliant. It's simple. I, you know, I, I have noticed that most of the things that uh, really work well tend to be simple, mm. right? It's a, it's a simple change. In this case, when you get to the end of your death clock, instead of losing the game, you go to a mini timer where you each, you, you get a very short period. In this case, it's a minute for each model activation. And then if you go over that, you actually, on the model activation, if you exceed your minute, you have to stop whatever you're doing at that point, and it awards a victory point to your opponent. Surely, if you go over your death clock, shouldn't you... Um, uh, what are they... What, uh, the joke gone. But um, what do they call it in football? Shouldn't you be dead? <laughs> no, I think in, in football, where at the end, if you haven't got the... If you, you've got that... Oh, you mean overtime? Yeah, but no, you've got the... <sighs> In, in, sorry, I should say soccer. Um, the thing where you've got to kick in the Don't ball. call it soccer. Only no, United. No, it's, it's football. I, 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 I knew what's what you were talking about. The, the, Look, got to kick in the ball. Kick I mean, the ball only the United States and Japan. Only United States and Japan call it soccer. That, I mean, called, South now? America calls it football. Europe what's that, what's calls it called? football. At the very end, and it's is it? Over oh my God! It's where everyone lines up and you've got to kick Stop in the ball. Stoppage time! Stoppage time! Doesn't matter. Carry on. <laughs> uh, I so in this you you play through, and if you run out of your death clock, and then every time you run out of that minute, you still get to play to try to finish out the game. But you're rewarding victory points every time you exceed that extra time. So, any of you heard of a game called Space Hulk? Yes. Of Space well, Hulk. That has egg timer in it, and it's for Space Marines only, not for Tyranids. And the really? I don't remember an egg timer in Space Hulk. No. But I got the re I got the relaunch of it the first time they relaunched it. Well, second edition. It comes with an egg timer and basically it's only for space marines. It okay. basically you have to make all your moves before the timer comes out. If you if you any late basically you can't do any more moves. That's it. Uh, Tyranids can take as long as they want. <laughs> But then again, you know, uh, I think if you know what you're doing with Space Marines, you pretty much always win there. Because especially in the first missions, if you, like, you get, like, extra amount of turns by drawing, like, counters, if, mm. you, if you draw a certain counter amount, like, which is just over half, like, force, you can't lose. In the first mission, you can't lose. There's nothing... Tyranid can do it to stop you. See, I never, I never played Space Hulk a lot. We, uh, we pulled it out, we set it up. I think I might have played two games of it and sort of went, eh, okay. That was kind of cool. kind of alright, yeah. I sold yeah. it to a friend and he wanted the Blood Angel Space Marines, that's the reason. I, yeah, I, I, so. But he I, said I, I if he was gonna buy this game, the first thing he would do is throw away the egg timer. <laughs> I, I, I got it. it was, again, it was second edition. And um, I think I played about one game, and the problem I found with it was that it didn't do the one thing I wanted it to do, and that was it didn't capture the one thing I thought it was based on, and that was the um, the scene in Aliens. 
Ah, yeah. Because it was, it's. I, mean, I think everyone would agree that's kind of what it's based on. Mm, and yeah. for me, it just didn't feel like it captured it properly. So therefore, it's like, well, that's what I wanted to do, and it didn't. In a sense, it doesn't. Yeah, why? Makes a lot of sense. But then I was also collecting Tyrion at the time, so I then just simply repurpose, repurpose like the forty gene stealers you got. Mm. Oh, sorry. Speaking of Guild Ball goals, uh, Bill, you said you were going to turn your whiskey golem into a goal. Yes. So do you realize there's actually a whiskey golem for thirty-five bucks without any of the gremlins? No. I well, it's already that. out. There's a, there's, there's a, <laughs> because what you what you and me got was a nightmare edition whiskey golem. There's actually a whiskey golem available now for thirty five bucks with almost nearly a half of what we paid without any gremlins. Now, no. have you have you built your nightmare whiskey golem yet? Not yet. No. Okay. I'm I sure even I'll have no trouble with it. Trust me. <laughs> Well, I mean, I haven't opened the box, so I don't know how hard it's going to be to just not put the, the 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 gremlins in, and and to do enough conversion to it to make it look like you know beer instead of uh, whiskey coming out of it. But I think that's just uh, that should be pretty easy. I have water effects; it should work fine. Yes, what you could do. <laughs> What you could do is just leave the gremlins on. What this would mean is just that your brewers have white fever. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, Trust me. Yeah. White fever is a condition if your body is so ravaged by alcohol, you start seeing things. So that's probably what your brewers are seeing. They're seeing those gremlins around. Those, that. Oh, that's... Okay, that's fair. Actually, white fever, I kind of googled it and... I- but I'm not a big gremlin fan. I've I've never been a big gremlin fan of the of the gremlin sculpts. Um, there's only been very specific models I've liked, and I don't like the new gremlin art. So mm. yeah, I don't want them on there. Okay, but I just thought with brewers, white fever would be like a working hazard. I I agree. <laughs> okay, one second. All right, I'm just looking around. No, I don't see any gremlins, so I'm fine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Unless, of course, this entire thing is, is is one hallucination of white fever. We don't actually exist. There could be that. <laughs> and actually, you're just sat in front of your computer getting drugged, just talking to yourself. Ah, oh, that's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> you're the gremlins, aren't you? <laughs> Now, I could turn around and tell you, don't worry, we are real. But isn't that exactly what Hallucination would say? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> no, no, seriously, I didn't drink that much to be at that point, so yeah, I'm fine, don't worry. <laughs> uh, you know, laughing at yourself is kind of the peak of humor. Oh, Being true. able to laugh you, at yourself. You can't laugh at yourself, you know. Mm. I'm a big believer of that. No, there's nothing wrong with a bit of self-deprivating humour every now and then. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what else we need to talk about? Um, Malifaux. Uh, so, Gen Con is coming. Yes. And anyone of you seen the Gen Con releases and Gen Con exclusive stuff? I have in the last 48 hours. Yes, yeah, so have I. 
because last time I talked to you about it, you, you didn't want to talk about it, saying like, oh, it's going to be ranty. Do we really want to take it this way? And I'm like, I'm still So he decided this. to go there anyways. Yeah. I'm still by this, buying this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> made decision for us. Which <laughs> yeah. fine. What so, do you so think Richie, of wait a minute. Let's talk about the good. What yes. do you think about the flying monkeys? I love them. I love the flying monkeys. That's probably the most what I love most about that box set. Can I uh, plead the fifth? Okay. Uh, no, no. I you think they're shit? <laughs> um, it's a combination of things. I kind of think it's a bit cliched and tacky. Well, it doesn't really kind oh, of. Wow. Okay. They just created this design and stuck it on top of Colette, which doesn't really fit. Oh, look, look, flying monkeys. Yeah, we haven't seen that a thousand times so... before. No, I only seen it once before. I mean, you know, f- there's a game by Rick Crazy. <laughs> what, Wizard of Oz? No, 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 but that was going to be my question. I no. actually like the models completely disconnected from. In fact, I'm a little disappointed that the only way I would be able to get them. Is out of that bar because I don't think anybody's going to break it apart. Does the name Rick Priestley rings any bells? Yeah, he's the guy who created 40k. Yep, he creates a new game called The Gates of Anthares, and he was also in the game called Fantasize. Does he have flying monkeys in there? Well, in the game called Fantaside, there is a whole faction of flying monkeys. Fantaside. But you know, they actually sound like flying monkeys because they throw poop and things. These flying monkeys are just like proxies for mechanical doves. Nothing more. No, I get, see, I'm not even looking at them in, in context of Malifaux. No, no poop throw in action. Okay, so to be fair, I backed infamy, uh, I backed, uh, um, infamy. Is it infamy? Yeah. That I am getting two monkeys with a poop gun. So, uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm down, but, uh. <laughs> Did you know what, uh, no, wait, wait, so Andre, hold on. miniatures are going to be uh, uh, distributed by Protos. Uh, distributed by, are you sure Pro- it's Protos and not Steamforged? Yeah. Proto. Steamforged, they're doing Guild Ball. And no. they're doing Infamy. Well, it's it's Protos. I think Protos might even be printing it, but I know they're distributing Proto, uh, Infamy in UK, so that's... Oh. Yeah, I was gonna say. Probably so the, the guy, well, guy that's so. involved with um, the guy that's involved that that did Infamy is one of the three partners in Steamforge Games. Mm. So, but so go back. What was the name of this game? Because when I searched for Fantaside, F A N T A S I D E, nothing came up. Well, Do you know what Fantaside okay. is? Uh, it's, actually, it's a psychiatric term. Are you telling talking about inf? Infantici- no, 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 Infanticide is killing babies. That right. f- flapping thing came out in the Google when I was looking for fantasy. No, fantasy is a psychiatric term. It's the act of killing your invisible friend. Okay. <laughs> but I'm trying to find the game that has the flying monkeys. <laughs> it's it's fantasy, yeah. It's got little fairies and... Uh, uh, I'll just put a link in the chat. For the oh, starter. It's kickstarted. It I don't know. I don't know if it passed. That was. It looked like it was in February 2014. Yeah, it's for a while ago. It yeah. had centaurs oh, in it, okay. but one of the factions was flying monkeys. 
Because, yeah, I, again, I, I like the models of Flying Monkeys, and I hadn't seen them before. I mean, is the idea innovative? Probably not, but, you know, I, the models I thought looked great. Mm, yeah, I love them as well. I'd love to paint them. Flying Monkeys, okay. Oh, so, yes, I see them. So where do I get the... Did they back? What about this uh, ballerina clown guy? <laughs> Honestly, the rest of the kit... I'm very not... I like the actual, the master guy. He's sort of kind of creepy and cool. What about this bearded lady? (laughs) I'm calling him... Gotta stick with not very moved (laughs) the rest of the models. Well, I'm calling him Conchita Wurst. (laughs) I'm guessing there's a backstory? No, it's... uh, Conchita Wurst is... It's a... Alias, of, I forgot what the guy's real name is, but um, you know Eurovision. Yeah. Oh, song. gotcha. The guy yeah. who won last year. Sorry, the, the, the girl who won last year. Uh, he's not a girl. He's a guy. No, I know, but he lives his life as a woman, doesn't he? So therefore. Oh no, no, he's not. That was just that he performs that way. Oh, okay. So he's like uh, what? In lady? real life, he's normally like. I actually saw an interview with him, and you know, he said the only way he could win Eurovision is by doing this. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so but drag yeah, yeah, drag act. But he he he's not a bearded lady. He's a man in a dress. Nothing yeah. more. Yeah. Go yeah. yeah. But yeah, and uh, well, I kind of got distracted. But the overall, the Nightmare Carnival, I'm kind of tempted to get it. Even even this uh, customs lottery where you might actually get charged mm. extra if you order from USA with weird. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, always but, well, if you don't want your uh, winged monkeys, you know you can give them to now. <laughs> yeah, if you don't want those, I, please. Well, I, no, monkeys is I want the most, and that's it. <laughs> So don't get any ideas, Richie. The monkeys are well, I don't want them. <laughs> That's right, Richie. You don't get any ideas. <laughs> Keep your hands off my monkeys. That's fine. Uh, leave, the, leave the budgets alone. <laughs> Here we go. I can get flying monkeys with spears. And all of these have fezzes no, too. Okay, fezzes, yeah, I'm fezzes. a fan. It's all about fezzes. It, yeah. it is. It's thunder monkeys with blunderbusses. Now that's fantastic, blunderbusses. Yeah, oh, just... but these are little bat wings. I kind of like the bird wings better. Mm, I suppose. Well, there's got other stuff in it. Like the strong guy is cool, but he's just one of the performers. I mean, it doesn't do anything for me. Mm. What about the mannequins, the wooden, the wooden man? Yeah. Well, that depends what you do with them, I guess. See, you know, I think if they wanted to do a psycho clown, then they should have tapped into something like. Um, I'm guessing you guys probably don't remember the video game Kiss Psycho Circus. No, I don't. Mm-mm. But I'm uh, thinking Pennywise. It's oh, even better than this. Kiss Psycho Circus was a was a video game. And it was um, around the time of, I think it was Quake 2, so we're looking at 90s. And mm. the, the entire soundtrack to it was by the band Kiss. And one of the bad guys in it was these clowns. Let me see if I can find a picture for you. And for the audience, so I can describe it. Here we go. Um, they are basically half 
half breeds between possibly the two scariest, most scariest things in the world: a uh, killer clown with spider. Isn't that what Pennywise is? <laughs> No, Pennywise is different with Pennywise because he just appears however a person is most scared of. Oh, yeah, sure, Richie. And then go ahead and make it a robot spider so it's harder to kill. <laughs> so you're talking about cyborg execution, cyborg uh, uh. execution uh, clown. Yeah, you know, make it probably evil. Make it actually, you know, or even better. I mean. Pennywise was evil. Yeah, but I think that was, a lot. That was, that was just Tim Curry. Who? What? The actor who played Pennywise. Um, no, no, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about Stephen King. Sorry. Yeah, no, uh, so you're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. yeah Pennywise. Yeah. yeah. So you seen you seen the, the adaptation? Yeah. Uh, I didn't fully see it. I sorry. I thought it was boring. I didn't well, watch. The, the, the man who plays Pennywise in that is Tim Curry. Right. Yeah, no, he's not that intimidating, but you know, um, um, but he's got a great smile. His his smile is evil, but that's about uh, it for him. I mean, he got, you know, he he was the same person who played the uh, the Lord of Darkness in um, Legend. Now, if we're gonna really set Richie off, Andre, <laughs> what's your opinion about the campaign system? I have no idea how what happens in it, other than what we discussed before. So I don't know if it's still relevant. Uh, well, the thing is, originally I was really looking forward to campaign system because I'm in, I was into Necromanda and uh, and Mordheim and all, but um, I'm not sure if Malifaux is the game suitable for campaigns because the miniatures are co- kind of complicated enough. Because if you look at Mordheim and stuff, it's very stripped down. Later, it becomes like a Swiss Army knife okay. after you pick up. But you know. Malifaux miniatures are kind of complicated enough already. But I admit I'm very much looking for campaign system and guild ball. Because they sort of went with something original and actually... Do, do In regards to Malifaux, do we know what the final result of the campaign system is? I think it's fairly close to what was in the beta but... Is it still, when you win you get better, when you lose you get worse? I don't know. Because thing is, is, I remember in... Then... in that in, makes me boil. That 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 makes me spit venom. In, uh, I remember in more time. I I used to like even if you lose, you can still be better off yes. than your opponent. I re- you, you <laughs> I used to serve because otherwise you just have a spiral where the person who's winning gets better and better and better, and the person who's I losing just keeps losing and losing until eventually they're just not you know. And neither people are enjoying themselves unless the person enjoy unless the winner enjoys waffle stomping. Well, the thing is, in Guild Ball, I know there's a way of getting further into campaign without actually winning. There's alternative means of winning campaign rather than winning games. And I, that kind of got me really, really excited. So I'm really looking forward to uh, Season 2. Richie, you don't know what you're missing. I remember you were listening to uh, Fool's Daily and one of them didn't get into Guild Ball and you're like, oh, well, cool, someone over me who's not yeah, really... one other person. Yeah, one... <laughs> uh, not, it, just, it just doesn't grab me. Guild Ball is magnificent. I'm sure it is. It just doesn't grab me. <laughs> oh, this, just... this is getting better play than, a, than the podcast all about Guild Ball. <laughs> Now, to be fair, at at two and a half, almost three hours of recording, 
yeah. we should probably we're, we're moving on you know epic length podcast exactly. <laughs> and it is for me uh, three minutes past midnight okay so I did the intro Richie or Bill you do the outro so <laughs> <laughs> isn't that just saying goodbye and goodnight <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, Goodbye. Good night. Aren't you gonna do something smart ass like I did in the beginning? I just went a half hours of smart okay, ass. Okay, okay, okay. I've got something. I've got something. Okay. So you've all been listening to Hobby Sofa, and um, in doing so, you've all signed an exclusive contract, which gives you membership to Hobby Sofa Fight Club. And the first rule. <laughs> You As don't talk about sofa. <laughs> and the second rule. <laughs> you don't talk about sofa. The third rule: do not breathe in the resin. Uh huh. And the first what? rule, and the, and the fourth rule: if this is your first night, you gotta take part in the hobby. <laughs> from me, Richie P. Good night. And from me, Bill. Good night. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, you know, you. I know I've been doing lots of, like, you know, um, catchphrases and stuff. Next time I'll be doing, like, Shakespeare and Macbeth, you know. When the show free, we free meet again. 